So, okay, this wasn't what we really planned for this, uh, you know, exciting uh, opening stanza of our 16th season. I should have been on the road today catching some action today. We should have had some preseason interviews on location. And actually, you do have one in the can that we're going to be doing and rolling here soon, JB. But, um, yeah, uh, about COVID, it still sucks. Did you, did you catch COVID again? Mayor. Actually, this was my worst bout with it. I, I think I had it on uh, April 2020, uh, like a one-day wonder thing, okay. and uh, you know, one and done. And this one, it just uh, five days later, still not 100%. I mean, I'm there. I, I'm I'm okay. I, and uh, you know, this is why I didn't want to risk it today. Uh, I will be out and about tomorrow for high school football and Saturday for college football, but. Um, about college football on uh, that day on uh, what is that Saturday afternoon uh, what is mm -hmm. with this right now um, 71.6% saying I should be going to Ithaca versus Hopkins versus 28.4% for Del Val Cortland uh, this is a live show this poll ends at the end of this live show if you want me to attend DelVal Cortland, you better get on the horn here with your friends and uh, get some votes going because you only have a couple hours yeah. left to do so, JB. This is a little ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Where are the where's the Dragon Faithful and the the Aggies here? They got to step it up. I mean, a very strong showing from the Bombers and uh, Blue Jays Faithful. I know that they love you down there in Baltimore, Frank. I know you've had some fun um, at the tailgates and. I think you did you get like a gigantic burger somewhere um was it last season or yeah like this huge burger there in baltimore so obviously great food cat crab cakes is a big deal there um but that isn't the only big game happening in maryland this weekend frank we've gotten less than two and a half hours rowan versus stevenson for the first time i think it's a uh, you know the first game of the uh, 23 season i believe starting at six o'clock eastern so that's how long we're gonna go because of the little, you know, COVID snafu, you uh, instead of us doing the region one and two, and then a three and four, and a five and six preview show, we're just going to lump it all in together here, pack it in, and then just get you ready for this weekend. We have games tonight, Friday night, all day Saturday. You know, 120, 30 something odd games. It's going to be really awesome. Well, I see our first guest is in the wings, so instead of uh, belaboring things, let's start this show officially the right way, which is with. Our normal intro in me saying you're watching season 16 of In the Huddle. Celebrating 15 years, as it says there, and uh, boy, uh, I'm feeling uh, all 15 of those years right now. I'm not going to kid you, and then some. But uh, listen, JB, we have some, we have some big matchups coming up here in Week One, uh, and 
Uh, we're going to uh, have a guest here in a quick moment uh, that is uh, going to be part of one of the uh, games that I actually am very, very interested in. Our friend Greg Thomas uh, was interested uh, in this game uh, at d3football.com and Quick Hits today, as you may have seen. And we're, we're taking a different uh, attack on Quick Hits with uh, the games off the beaten path uh, where we each get a region and get to pick a region. I have region one today, but if I didn't have region one, I would have matched Greg on this game right here. Uh, which is going to be Hampton-Sydney hosting Wabash uh, because uh, I, I'm a believer right now in the Little Giants because they always fight is what the uh, rumor is yeah. out there. And if you uh, were... That's just not his head in the uh, wings. <laughs> well, are we... Well, I have to say that this is one of the most memorable games that I watched from the 2022 season because there was a combined 100 points, almost 1,200 yards of total offense, this guy was throwing the ball all over the place. It came down to, I think, a very final uh, game-winning touchdown, a super exciting game. Um, yeah, and, and this uh, individual, one of the seniors at Wabash, has not only been named to the Manning Award watch list, he's the only Division Three player to get um, nominated for this, which is a big deal. He's on the East-West Shrine Bowl 1000 preliminary roster, a Campbell Award nominee, and, um, you know, he led D3 last year with uh, almost 360 yards uh, per game and, and total offense, almost 400 yards per game. Liam Thompson, rocking the mustache, love it, the visor. Are you sure you're not going to be a coach in the future? I mean, you've got the look down, man. Awesome pregame setup there. Let's see if we get his audio, oh. Frank. It sounds like you yeah, might be we, on Yeah, we're missing, missing your audio there, Liam, uh, on that side. We'll uh, try to get that fixed over there. Here to save there. the day is S our, our trusty SID. SIDs <laughs> to the rescue. <laughs> yes, sir. We always love our SIDs. Well, in the meantime oh, here, we'll, we'll give them one second or two uh, off camera to uh, see if they can get their yeah. uh, audio side uh, working. Uh, because I, I, I see ours. Live is, shows. Think, you got to okay. Absolutely. The beauty but, of uh, live, you know, live television. In, in the meantime, while we are doing that and allowing that to happen, uh, we're going to go to essentially the Region 3 slide here to see this game included uh, because we break down our regions uh, by uh, when we go to Week 1, essentially the home, the home team. team. And, you can, and you can see Saturday 1 p.m., Wabash at Hampton, Sydney uh, is coming up there. So. We'll, uh, we'll see what, where we can uh, go with this game. Uh, and it, 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 I should have probably picked this one. I, was, I wasn't actually looking for it in this slide, so that's why uh, you'll see Huntington Berry uh, is there instead. But mm -hmm. uh, it is one of our prediction games that will be coming up very soon uh, on uh, later on on our show when we do our lightning predictions. So uh, we're still Not working on like audio it. down there. <laughs> okay. But we'll see here uh, coming up to also, let's go to what is Region 4, which is uh, the actual natural region for Wabash. And uh, you can see uh, some interesting games uh, there. And uh, one that they're going to be watching probably after their game is over is DePaul at Rose Holman. And, and JB, DePaul is mm -hmm. kind of the team in the NCAC that's uh, taken things uh, on its shoulders, uh, you know, taking that leadership role and... They're definitely uh, the team to beat in a lot of people's minds in the NCAC, and the, and Wabash will be trying to do so for sure. Yeah, absolutely. They had a, um, a good season last year. They were picked in the preseason coaches poll to repeat as the NCAC champs. 
This game actually at seven o'clock on uh, Saturday night is a is a rematch. I think from the uh, 2021 first round of the playoffs. It was one of the more competitive games. I think it was a 25-21 final that the Tigers um, just outlasted uh, Rose Holman in. But Rose Holman was one of my sleeper teams in the Heartland. I think that they um, you know could make some moves this this fall, and it'll be interesting to see. One of the games that we um, left off the slide. All all due respect, uh, I think that was my fault, but. Um, uh, Hiram is hosting Heidelberg tonight. I think it, it's at seven o'clock. So there will be a Thursday night game in Region Four. We'll include that in our uh, crunch time uh, scoreboard wrap up. We'll see. I know we have a, a family friend um, uh, that will be starting at wide receiver uh, for that game, uh, Mr. Cole Porman, which we're excited for. Um, you know, the younger brother of, of Luke who played at UMHB. You know, and and uh, so I think he has another another brother uh, who's. Uh, playing up at Whitewater. So a big D3 family there. And uh, oh boy, in the background, I'm starting to get some thunderclaps. So hopefully that won't necessarily bleed <laughs> into the audio. <laughs> we made it through the hurricane okay, but all of a sudden I hear this, I'm like, uh-oh, yep, here we go. Hopefully power well, stays on, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, worst case there, we'll uh, let our guests know they can use a cell phone uh, probably just as easily to uh, try to connect with this uh, with audio. And uh, we'll uh, maybe reach out to them to let them know that in the meantime here. Uh, Liam Thompson, though, uh, you know, is somebody that uh, we are very impressed with and want to uh, have on this show for sure. We'll get his audio working, and uh, just in case they can hear me in the background, uh, feel free to use a cell phone, guys, if you want to. That's an alternative, too, uh, if uh, you want. Uh, otherwise, yep. uh, you we can uh, just put it right in a cell phone. Because of yep. firewall and whatnot, yeah. You can actually, uh, if they uh, on a cell phone with a uh, camera yeah, on our uh, software, thankfully, uh, you can uh, do exactly what we're doing, uh, trying to do normally through computers. So we appreciate everybody mm -hmm. uh, that uh, works with us on this uh, issue. Not the first time we've had this happen uh, on a live show, but uh, JB, nope. in the meantime, uh, as we vamp here a little bit, uh, you know, game of the week wise. It's tough to pick a favorite child uh, when it comes down to it. And you saw the quick hits mm -hmm. uh, discussions on different games of the week. Uh, when you yep. come to Region 1 and Region 2, uh, I really honestly have a tough time distinguishing that DelVal-Cortland game, for instance, between Ithaca and Johns Hopkins, uh, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, it's like a 1A, 1B type of game if you had, if you personally had to pick, which game would you want to see? If you only could watch one game of those two, um, well, I would say, being you know maybe being a little blunt, I would probably go with Hopkins Ithaca just because both teams are bringing back um, a lot of pieces from the prior year. Although to be fair to Delval, they are returning from a playoff run as is Cortland. Um, I think both of those teams' playoff runs didn't really go as they had planned. So I think they come into this season with a little more of a chip on their shoulder. Um, I think the uh, DelVal-Cortland game has potential to have a little more offensive fireworks, um, just based on you know Cole Burgess and Zach Boys and company. Um, but then again, with Wingfield and, and, and the Bombers, you never know. So it looks like... Uh, we pivoted here. We've got uh, Coach Thompson uh, <laughs> set up. And we, how you how you doing, Liam? I'm fantastic. You guys hear me now? We can definitely hear you now. We appreciate uh, your SID uh, hard at work there. there. I, 
I saw him scurrying over there, and uh, we really do appreciate it and appreciate having you on the show. Uh, you know, live, uh, live internet uh, streaming, that's uh, what we're at here. But Liam, um, you know, first off, uh, to be on that Manning uh, watch list, essentially, and to get the accolades you've received coming into this season before we've even kicked things off here, how do you feel about how your career is going here, man? Yeah, I'm happy with it. Um, at the same time, uh, we have a lot of unfinished things uh, as a team, a lot of things, uh, goals uh, that we left out there last season that we didn't accomplish that we have as a team every year. Um, so just really grateful for another opportunity to go out there and chase those down, um, hopefully finish finish off here at Wabash on, on, on the right foot. Liam, I mentioned at the at the top of the show this amazing 52 to 48 uh, game that you guys won against Hamden Sydney last year. I mean, it was so many points. I mean, I think you guys won the game on the last play, a few seconds remaining, a hundred points. I mean, are we going to see another offensive explosion like this on Saturday, or do you think you guys have got things sort of dialed back? And since it's the second time around, it might be a little more lower scoring game, like maybe. A grand total of like 60 or 70 points instead of 100. <laughs> yeah, it's always interesting uh, when you play a new team and not a conference team, which we did last year for the first time, uh, kind of unfamiliar. Obviously, you have the game tape that you can watch, but when you play the conference teams, you're more familiar with kind of the, the tempo of the game um, and what that team really looks like out on the field. I also think the first game of the year, um, you never really know exactly what to expect. You go in with a plan, and it often goes different from that. Um, so seeing these, this team for the second time, uh, they got a lot of guys back. They're a really good football team. Um, but yeah, as an offense, we don't, we don't have goals in terms of we need to score this many points this game or we need to do whatever. We just want to put our team in the best, uh, best spot to win. So if that means scoring 70 or if that means scoring 20 points and uh, controlling the clock, whatever, the, whatever that takes, um, we're, we're prepared to do. I look forward to watching uh, this game uh, in the background when I'm at a, a game on Saturday. I won't be able to get over to Hampton, Sydney, but uh, uh, you, you know, it's just going to be, I think, one of those games where it could define one of these teams' seasons, or maybe both in certain ways. Even uh, for the loser of the game, uh, somebody's going to have to win, somebody's going to have to lose it, and uh, we've got two quality uh, teams, uh, programs uh, going at it there. Speaking of programs. Wabash has not enjoyed the history of success uh, idea that uh, you might uh, know your alumni being used to. You might hear about it all the time from them over the last little while. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are concerned, I think, about, hey, wh what's happened to Wabash? What's happened to the consistency here? How did DePaul sort of uh, stick their neck into this position to have a certain level of strength in the conference? and you know take the focus away does that kind of give you guys back a chip on the shoulder here to say wait a minute uh, our, we're the team that should be looking at the history here and i know the fight against depaul is a universal one for wabash i get that but i mean tell me about how you guys are feeling about what's happened here in the last couple of years yeah absolutely i mean you look at the history of wabash college football um ton of success a tradition of winning here um and look back over my time here and, and even the years before that, um, there definitely has been. The conference that we play in is really strong. Um, all those teams have improved. Um, and I think we've improved as well, but it's, it's just a, it's a competitive league. Um, we have to be ready to show up every week, uh, compete. You can't, you can't have an off game in our league. Um, and I think that's, the team that we have right now is really focused on kind of restoring that tradition 
um, and focused on our goals as a team. Uh, obviously, trying to not focus on too much of the outside, uh, what, what that narrative uh, might be, just trying to focus on one game at a time, focusing on our team goals and how we're going to get there, improving every week to play our best football um, at the end of the year, especially uh, in that going on Bell game. Um, I think that game last year obviously didn't go as planned for us. Um, and they came ready to play it. The Paws a good football team. Um, and we're, it, it definitely uh, has given us a chip on the shoulder um, to not, not only for that game, but really for the entire season, um, getting back to uh, competing and winning conference championships, uh, playing in the playoffs uh, and winning games in the playoffs. So that's where, that's where we're going to get to. Um, and uh, we're just focused on taking one game at a time uh, and controlling what we can control. Absolutely. And Liam, um, you know, since we're kind of nearing the end of the kind of the COVID extra, you know, eligibility year, I mean, has there been, you know, how does that, how has that impacted the program? Are there a certain number of guys who've stuck around for that extra year of eligibility or uh, they've, you know, kind of graduated, moved off onto bigger and better things? Where, how, how did that whole thing affect uh, Wabash and where are you guys now? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Harris, Mr. Harris probably knows better than I do. I think we have four, um, four returning fifth year seniors that came in in my class. Um, they were supposed to be class of 23, but we're going to be finishing out this fall. Um, all four on offense, two offensive linemen, myself and a wide receiver. Um, and it definitely had an effect just because that's not necessarily uh, normal at Wabash. Uh, we don't have a graduate program. So typically guys are in and out in four years. Um, for me and for those guys, it was an easy decision in terms of we lost a year of football and we wanted to finish that off, especially at, uh, how the end of last year uh, ended. Uh, so we still feel that we have a lot on the, on the table, a lot in the gas tank um, to go out there and give it up. Uh, obviously, we had some guys last year that maybe could have hung around, but those guys are in med school now, law school, doing doing really uh, great things in life. Um, so that's kind of a personal choice. But for us, uh, for the guys to stuck around, it was easy. Um, and we're just happy to be here, really grateful for the opportunity uh, to stick around. Okay, Liam, I've got to ask you before we go back to football for a second. Uh, I, I'm reading your uh, bio a little bit here, and I, I wanted to make sure I got this all right. You are a rhetoric major yes. and Spanish and film digital uh, media double minor. Could you explain to me what a rhetoric major is? Because I've been accused of being really rhetorical for way too much of my life, and I just want to see if I would have been a good rhetoric major ultimately in a school. Go ahead. <laughs> and I'd like to say that it's not a bad thing to be called that, uh, I hope. Um, definitely the word gets tossed around a lot, a lot in politics and things like that. Here at Wabash uh, and at other places that have rhetoric departments as well, uh, it's our close, the closest comparison is kind of like a communications degree. Um, Basically, what that means here is that you read a lot, write a lot of papers, and give a lot of speeches. So that's kind of what I've done in my time here. Um, hopefully, eventually, um, learning how to learn. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a great experience for me. Well, uh, rhetoric is uh, okay. Good, a good thing. I yeah. like that. I, I like you saying that uh, for my sake. I've got another. But, you know, I got another one here for him, Frank. Yeah, hang on. Hang on. So, as a as a quarterback, you're you're from Indy, um, and I, I mean, I used to live in Chicago, so I know a little bit about Midwestern cuisine. But like, if you're going to be taking the offensive line out for a dinner after a big win, is there like a is there like an Indy Indianapolis sort of like special dish you know like baltimore has crab cakes you know new york has 
you know, bagels or whatever, you know, certain pizza or, or what have you. But what is like the Indi the Indiana special, I guess, for a O line dinner? Yeah, I'd say there's a couple things. So one here in town, Crawfordsville on Thursday nights, quarterbacks and offensive linemen always go to an ice cream spot called Dairy Delicious. So that's kind of our weekly. Uh, we do that every week on Thursday. Um, I'd say if you're in Indy for one night, um, St. Elmo's is the big uh, steakhouse in Indy uh, in the Midwest. Uh, the steaks are going to be good. Um, a lot of different things. The state fair just happened. Um, so a lot of different kind of Midwest foods, um, things like that. Uh, but if you're here for one night and you're in Indianapolis, uh, if I had the funds, it, it would be St. Elmo's for the offensive line every week. Um, right. But, it, uh, yeah. JB, uh, St. Elmo's sounds fire. If, and if you get that reference, Liam, you, I, I would be shocked at, at that reference uh, going to you. That's but uh, listen, <laughs> oh, it is indeed. It's the 80s. Um, but Liam, <laughs> listen, uh, you talk about the O-line, uh, or JB was at least taking them out. Talk about your O-line. Uh, talk about what you're bringing back, uh, what you're missing compared to last year, and how you think it's going to affect you. Because I, to me, especially looking at last year, okay, your defense needs to step up here to keep that score down, no matter what. I, I'll say that you don't have to. But ultimately, you still have to put up the points, uh, no matter what. And that O-line is going to be crucial. You're a great leader, great speaker, no doubt. Tell me about the O-line and what we uh, have to look forward to here this year. Yeah, so it's a really simple answer, actually. Um, all five offensive linemen back, um, two of those being fifth-year seniors that came in with me. Uh, coach Holmstead, our offensive line coach, was on this the first time in his time here where they've had all five offensive linemen starters return. Um, so really excited about that. Uh, those guys do a great job. They did a great job last year. Uh, Ken Kelly, Mark Caster, Joe Mullen, Cam Ford, and Quinn Scholar, all five of those guys. Um, some of my best friends, and they uh, they did a great job last year, and they're going to do a great job again this year. Um, those guys are great in pass pro, great in the run game, um, really, really smart, intelligent people, um, and they understand the game. They have a great coach as well. Um, so we're really excited for them. Uh, I know those guys are ready to go. They're tired of hitting each other in practice. They're ready to go out there and hit somebody else. Um, but, no, couldn't be more excited for that group um, and, and uh, really, really optimistic about um, about their prospects for this year. Liam, one of the things, I mean, I know you guys are laser focused in on week one against Hammond City, but I couldn't help but notice that you have a game um, in a couple of weeks against uh, sort of a hometown team with Butler from the uh, Pioneer League. Uh, I imagine you may even have some buddies from high school that play for those guys, or, or maybe you played against um, you know, guys that are on that team. I mean, I know scheduling sometimes is, is, is tricky, but where did this thing come from? Is, is a Butler-Wabash thing? I mean, Greg Thomas would probably know the answer to this question, but I'd want to know, like, is this kind of a, a new thing for you guys, or is this a, just sort of like, hey, this is our last ride, let's try to play these guys? Yeah, we always try to challenge ourselves without a conference schedule. Uh, last year we had North Central College came here, um, obviously national champions, um, and this year we got Butler. So we're really excited for that. Um, I, I know Wabash and Butler have a history of playing against each other. I think it's been a while since I, – I, I don't know exactly the number of years, but it's been a while since we've played them. Um, but growing up in Indianapolis, obviously very familiar with Butler growing up when they were making all those basketball runs and whatnot, um, have worked out at the Butler Bowl, the football field, numerous, numerous times. Um, it's probably less than 10 minutes from my house at home. Um, and, yeah, I grew up playing against some of the guys there. My best friend from high school, one of my teammates, Harry Oaks, just graduated there as a grad transfer from Brown University. Um, 
So that, we're really excited for that. It's going to be a good opportunity for us to kind of see where we see where we are as a team against a really good team. Um, and we have a lot of guys on the team from Indy, so it should be a good uh, a good experience for them to get uh, get to play uh, closer to home as well. Um, so we're really excited to challenge ourselves with that. Um, see where we're at um, before we get into conference play. Liam, it's been a true pleasure uh, talking with you, but before we let you go uh, and before we let you get your season started on Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, I believe that is, so probably, uh, is it what, Indiana? I believe it's actually Eastern uh, with us, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Just barely. Yeah, yeah. well, so, part of it, our part is Eastern time, yeah. Yep, so uh, yeah. 1 p.m. Uh, universally for us here. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, and also it's at Hampton City, so we know they're Eastern anyway. But uh, before you get that uh, season kicked off, we want to give you the opportunity to give any shout-outs to family, friends, teammates, etc., uh, especially the guy maybe holding the camera right now. Uh, a little impromptu for us, but he did a great job. Uh, he kind of going to plan B uh, with us here. But uh, anybody you want to give shout-outs to, please feel free. The floor is yours, Liam Thompson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, shout-out my mom and dad. Uh, uh, now they're going to be at the game this weekend. Shout-out my younger brother. Uh, he's at high school, uh, at my high school at North Central. He, uh, he's got a big game tomorrow, so good luck to him and the Panthers, all those guys. Shout out to Brent Harris or B Money, as we call him, for setting setting this up and taking care of us all the time. And uh, just thank you guys. Thank God for the opportunity and uh, really appreciate it. A true pleasure, Liam. And uh, I, like I said, I'm watching you guys this season. I, I enjoy cutting your clips up for crunch time, that's for sure, because uh, it's a lot of offense and uh, just watching it back and seeing you out there uh, throwing that ball is going to be a lot of fun uh, cutting up those clips. But I think you have something special and a chance here, especially with that O-line back, the way you say they are back here. Keep them healthy, keep yourself healthy, and let's see what happens first things first. Hampton, Sydney on Saturday. Good luck. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Good luck, Liam. Liam Thompson. All right. Yeah. That was great. Well, hey, you know, we, um, we had to pivot a little bit with the technical difficulties, but it wouldn't be a, a preseason show with, in the huddle, even 15 years in, where there wasn't a little bit there. But um, we appreciate uh, Wabash you know, going the extra mile to get Liam on and make sure that we send him the, uh, you know, the clip of this uh, after the fact once we um, go off the air. We still uh, got a couple hours until kickoff, Frank. So I know we've got some more guests lined up, but maybe we should uh, chat a, bit, a little bit about what else is going on in, in Region 4 before we, uh, before we pivot. Let me uh, give you Region 4. Our guest is in the wings. We'll get set up for him in the meantime, so take it away, JB. Yeah, so we did, we did a quick glance at this earlier, but, you know, obviously the, the big game is going to be Whitewater versus John Carroll, a matchup of two top 25 teams, both with uh, new head coaches. Uh, Jeff Behrman, who used to be at Union, is an old friend of the show, so we obviously wish him well. He's back at his alma mater, but you know, Whitewater was a team that we talked about in our first preseason show that we don't really know much about. They um, have some, some new players on offense and defense, and, and so it'll be interesting to see, is this the same old Warhawks that just, you know, comes in and takes care of business, or can John Carroll maybe score a big upset? Uh, Mount St. Joe's versus Baldwin-Wallace is going to be an exciting uh, game, as is DePaul and Rose-Holman. Um, earlier on, we've got some OAC type of action with Denison and Capital. Wittenberg's taken on Dubuque, uh, Ohio Wesleyan and Otterbein. Uh, and actually, a, a kind of interesting matchup here, Frank, that we don't see very often. St. John Fisher is going out to Ohio to play Marietta at one. And um, Farum from uh, Region 3 is going to play the Muskies, uh, Worcester and Wilmington, and, and Mount Union versus Defiance. I saw 
our friend Logan Hansen had the line in this game, and it's uh, 61 points. <laughs> and uh, uh, apparently his model gave Mountain Union a 100% chance to win. Um, so there's that. But, you know, sometimes schedules get made years in advance. They, they can't help it, but it, it should be a, a nice little warm-up, I guess, for the Raiders there. JB, also, uh, as we uh, pivot here to uh, our next guest in a few minutes, uh, they, I think they were just checking in, and it'll be back around 4.05 Eastern time, uh, which is Kobe Burkhammer, okay. uh, UWO quarterback, so stay tuned for him. should also uh, list the other guests we have coming on the, this show. Uh, we've got Joe Rapetti, who's the quarterback over at Muhlenberg, uh, joining us. David Flores, the American Southwest Conference Commissioner, is joining us on our show today. And also we have Tucker Horn, <laughs> Trinity, Probably in the game of the week, I, I, if I had to call one of these games across the country a game of the week, I think this is it. Trinity at St. John's, and uh, we really look forward to having Tucker back on to talk about, whoa, yeah. what a schedule out of conference this season, because I'll be seeing them in week two, up close and personal, live on Saturday night uh, on September 9th. Uh, versus UMHB, and that's a regular season game for the first time. And there are three playing uh, playings of this game uh, in the last few years uh, that they exist. So uh, big, big game there coming up. But you know, we're looking now toward Region Six, and uh, we've got it on the screen here. And a couple of those games we just mentioned: Trinity at St. John's, UMHB at River Falls. Uh, actually, I didn't mention that game, but that's that's a huge game. The Falcons and. Uh, Yes, good, good job. Got that right now, huh? Uh, and Texas Finally. Lutheran at UW Oshkosh uh, is a uh, game that I want to see how Oshkosh comes out here because we had a, tr a tough time ordering the Wisconsin teams, uh, the uh, WEAC teams this season, with respect to who should be first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, ultimately, too, between Whitewater River Falls, Oshkosh, uh, Lacrosse, and Platteville. All five of those teams really are standout teams yeah. in a lot of different ways. But, you know, trying to rank them and then realizing that the NAC team, Aurora, beat Whitewater last year in the playoffs is a reminder that maybe you can't rank all five. And we didn't when we did it, nor did anybody on D3Football.com, or at least the conglomeration of votes didn't. But, you know, that's the thing we've got to really consider here uh, is – who are these teams and how we learn that answer is through the out-of-conference games like these. Texas Lutheran is no pushover. They haven't had the same success they've had, let's say, a decade ago maybe, but they're still a good team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you play a team from the ASC, and even though you know that conference is slowly being picked apart, and we'll talk to David Flores a little bit about that uh, in about an hour, you know, it's still it's a it's, it's a great first matchup, and we see some other interesting matchups happening in the West with you know, Redlands going up to play uh, Pacific Lutheran. We got Southwestern from Texas flying out. Uh, to Los Angeles to play Cal Lutheran. We got Howard Payne going up to Oregon to take on George Fox. And then in the, uh, the Red Eye game, you've got Chapman versus Pacific, another um, you know, kind of a multi-state uh, you know, flight type of game. Uh, but Thursday night, that's tonight, we've got a couple of these uh, WEAC schools, Stevens Points taking on um, a FCS school in Lindawood. And we also have UW Lacrosse, who you know, we may have ruffled some feathers, not necessarily putting them into our top 25 based on what we didn't see coming back, is going to have a challenge taking on an NAIA school in Dakota State. I think they played last year. 
Um, I imagine this will be once again kind of more of a lower scoring defensive affair, but we'll see, you know, whether or not this Eagles team is the same kind of high powered team that we saw in the playoffs last season and uh, go from there. As you can see on the screen, kickoff is less than two hours away in the Rowan Stevenson game coming up at 6 p.m. Eastern time. D3 season uh, for 2023 is almost underway here, folks, and we're going to take you all the way to that point. But we've got interviews galore coming up before that. Including in those interviews is our next one. We'll see if the audio uh, works on this one. Uh, let's cross our fingers on first try on this one. Here we go. As we bring in who you called on our first preseason show, the best quarterback in the WEAC. I'm going to let you have the first uh, set of questions on this. But nonetheless, let's talk to junior quarterback from Wisconsin Oshkosh, Kobe Berghammer. He's joining us here on In the Huddle. And Kobe, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great because we can well. hear you. That, that's number one right there. I, that settles everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. JB, take it away. I'm going to go uh, you know, fan myself off now. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, so Kobe, we've, you know, we sat back and we're, we're really impressed, you know, watching you last season. You accounted for over 3,000 yards of total offense, 36 touchdowns, 25 by the pass, 11 by, by rushing. You, you really have an exciting offense there with the Titans. But, you know, it was the first year of Coach Jennings' regime. You know, what was it like for you guys um, to kind of go through that coaching transition to, to have this sort of new, um, you know, sort of program, you know, type of, not a reboot necessarily, but you know, get, getting underway with a new coach. What was that like for you guys? Yeah, it was awesome having Coach Jennings come in, honestly. Um, it was different. It was a learning curve for sure. Um, but we really took last year as a chance to learn and become better. Um, I think the biggest difference from last year to this year is the overall comfortability in the offense, um, of the players just being comfortable with the coaching staff we have here, obviously now, but it was awesome. I mean, it was a great, great season to learn and, you know, overall become better. And I think that we really kind of took the momentum from the end of last year and kind of carried that over through the off season. And we had a great off season this year and it was awesome to be back with the guys now in camp. So. It's a weird scenario right now in the WEAC. And I kind of was discussing a little bit about it as we we're getting you back into your position here with us. It just seems like there's five teams right now, especially, not to say all of them can't do something special at certain given times uh, every season, but right now there are five teams that seem to have a belief right now that they can all win the conference in some way, shape, or form. This is something that when I started my Stag Bowl sideline visits back a, a long time ago in 2007, wasn't the case. It was Whitewater and Whitewater and Whitewater, and maybe somebody else uh, from the conference gets in from a pool C bid, but we, will, we won't even talk much about them deep into the playoffs. Now, things have changed. What's caused that? I mean, how, how obviously you don't know uh, the entire history of this whole situation, uh, unless you watch it carefully uh, when you're younger, but what is changing there in the WEAC that makes everybody feel like this is a chance for everybody. Uh, maybe Oshkosh helped change the tide. I don't know in the mid uh, twenty teens uh, when they got to the Stag Bowl. But you know, tell me what you're seeing there with this WEAC. Honestly, every team is tough. That's that's the biggest thing in this conference. It's like every single week we know it's going to be a dogfight. We know every team is going to give us their best, and rightfully so, right? We want to give every team our best. So I would say honestly, I think it's just everyone 
I don't know, obviously players make plays, and I think there's a lot of great players in this conference, and that makes things a lot easier. But I would say, honestly, just, yeah, that belief in yourself and, you know, the players and obviously our teams in the early 2010s and stuff, they made some deep runs, and we're hoping to kind of duplicate that and make a run of our own. But, you know, in this conference, if you're able to win this conference, you're able to make some noise in the playoffs, and that's the biggest thing that we're preaching um, we're trying to get our 12th conference championship because we know if we can get that 12th conference championship that anything can happen after that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think probably a big uh, reason if you do capture that 12th conference championship might have something to do uh, with this offense that you run. I mean, you have a, a very impressive receiving core. I think you, know, you guys obviously were very good, if not great, last season. Um, tell us a little bit about how the offense is looking in preseason and how you guys are getting ready to play a team from Texas this weekend. Yeah, we know that the, the Texas Lutheran is going to be a really good team. They're from a really good conference. So we're we're really just trying to improve every single day. That's the biggest thing we focus on during camp is if we can get a little bit better every single day, we know that we're going to be ready come Saturday. So I would say that's the biggest thing. Obviously, the receivers we have coming back are absolute studs. So and any way I can get them the ball, get the playmakers the ball will be awesome. But we're bringing back four of our five old linemen from last year, and they've been, they've, been really, they've been looking really good. So, And then obviously we have a couple new running backs coming in this year, but I'm, I'm really confident in the guys that we got in our locker room. Our defense has been awesome. It's been tough going against them guys every single day. But uh, we, we kind of live by this thing called iron sharpens iron. Um, we know that if defense were to win one day, that's awesome for them, right? Because they're on our team. If we're, we were to win one day, that's awesome for us because we're all on one team. So I think that's the biggest thing is just focusing on getting better every day and then let, let the things fall on Saturday. Kobe, I, as I'm uh, looking uh, down, I, I, we have you written as junior. I'm not sure. Uh, the roster says senior. I mean, what is your uh, eligibility situation? In, correct, you know, correct us if we're wrong. Please do. And always, we, we don't know the correct answer in about 90% of these cases because of COVID situations and everything else. So my other part of my question is, what did you learn through the COVID situation? Uh, because uh, you're, the start of your career basically was coinciding, I believe, right around that point in time. And did it help you in this process of maturation to become the quarterback you've become for Oshkosh? 100%. I mean, I, I'm a senior this year. I wish I was a junior. I wish I could come back again. But um, no, really, yeah, because I was a freshman in 2019, and then COVID hit, obviously, um, which everyone was pretty bummed about. But I really, we really took that year to improve, right? And now that I'm older and I'm able to still play, I would say that we really took and focused on getting better over that COVID year, um, whether that be in the weight room, whether that be on the football field, whether that be in meetings. I think we really took that time to become more knowledgeable about football, um, become better football players, become a closer team. So in the end, I mean, COVID sucked for everybody, but it was kind of a blessing because it gives us all another year to come back and play. So um, in the end of the day, I'm, I think that I'm a better quarterback now than I was in 2020. So I'm thankful for that, that I can come back and play again. So, 
And we've made the fix, just in case you couldn't tell. The yeah. senior quarterback from Wisconsin, no. guys, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe that was maybe that was one of those things where I I saw it, and or maybe when Coach let me know that Kobe could make it, he was like he was hoping he was a junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably was yeah. that. You get one more year. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Yeah. Oh, I wish. JB, go ahead. So, I guess you know this. This wasn't really a football question, but. Um, Tell us, I mean, you got, uh, I think, this weekend's game, you know, you're, you're going to be, uh, you'll be, I think you've, you're hosting, correct? Let me just make sure that, because I, I know you hosted, you know, so um, tell us a little about what is the Oshkosh home game season opener experience? I know you guys apparently have, have a new, like, Titan Gold beer that's being debuted at the, for the tailgates for the alumni and, and the parents and whoever's 21 and over to partake in that. But I mean, tell us a little bit about what, you know, an average D3 fan or someone tunes into this game to see what the Titans are all about are going to see on game day. Yeah, honestly, we, we do this thing. We incorporated it last year. It's called the Titan March. Um, we kind of, we start across the road and we walk to our stadium actually, and we get to interact with the fans. We get to see, I mean, I think it really helps just becoming more comfortable with the amount of fans that'll be there. Um, because you get to see them, you get to walk through them all, they get to cheer you on. You kind of feel like from the start that the fans got your back and they kind of feel more involved, which is awesome for the fans. Um, yeah, we're kind of adding more to our game day, which is awesome. Um, but we're hoping to have a ton of people out. Uh, it would be awesome to fill fill up the stadium, fill up J.J. Keller Stadium, and that would be that would be awesome. And it's going to be rowdy. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be hot on Saturday, but it's going to be fun. Okay, Kobe, 2019, 14 touchdowns, five interceptions. 2021, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions. 2022, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions. This is only passing. You may have had a couple of running uh, here and there, sure. But what numbers in touchdowns and interceptions in your mind will let us know that Oshkosh is going to win this WEAC and be a playoff team this season. What, what's it going to take for you uh, to, in terms of betterment uh, of even last year's really good numbers of 25 and 7, to win the WEAC and be that team standing there at the end saying, uh, we're going to make that playoff run as a WEAC team? Yeah, honestly, we, we've, talked about, we've talked a lot about this, and we kind of talk that stats are kind of super superficial for us, that at the end of the day, if we're doing our job, like at the end of the day, I have a job and my job is to make, get the ball to the playmakers, right? Like I could have 25 touchdowns passing, but there's someone on the other end that's got to make a play and actually get a touchdown. But so I would say that really it comes down to trust within me, trusting the O-line, the O-line trusting me, trusting my calls, and then the receivers going out and making plays. Um, I think there were times last year where we might not have been on the same page at all times. And I think that was the difference in a lot of games because we lost a couple close games. But I would say that we've really fine-tuned those, focused on the details, and we're really focusing on tr not letting those little little mistakes accumulate into big big losses, you know. Um, I would say that that's the biggest thing is becoming more comfortable with one another and trusting one another at all times. I would say that's the biggest difference. If hopefully there's a lot more touchdowns and interceptions, that'd be awesome. But at the end of the day, uh, W's are the only thing that matters. So that's what we're focusing on. I, if I have zero touchdowns on Saturday and we have 10 rushing touchdowns, I'll be the happiest guy on the sideline. So 
Absolutely. So, so Kobe, I, um, I was I was going to tease you a little bit because you know I hear you know sometimes from the Midwest and you know people up like you know in New York like frankly oh it's going to be hot. I live in Florida, it's hot down here a lot. But I will say I just looked up the forecast high of eighty eight for that game day. That's yep. even for the Midwest. That's pretty toasty. And I imagine there's going to be a little humidity thrown in there. Um, yep. Have you guys been doing anything a little extra with this preseason or since the weather's probably just as warm up there, you're just getting ready for, you know, full pads and 90 degrees on the field? Yeah, I mean, we've we've really just been focusing in on practice and just trying to get better. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to be hot. Some days it's going to be rainy. Some days it's going to be snowy. Um, at the end of the day, we just want to be – we just don't want to let external factors um, – like none of that affects us during the game, right? Like it could snow, it could rain, it could be 150 degrees, right? Like hopefully not 150 degrees, but we're just going to focus on the game and hopefully none, and then no external factors affect that, right? We're going to focus and control our controllables. And I mean, they got to play in the heat too. I mean, they're from Texas. They know a little bit more heat than us, but I think, I think we'll be fine on Saturday. Well, the interesting stat for you uh, is that, if you were to get to the playoffs or a bowl game, uh, that which is the, a potential 11th game for a WEAC team at this point, that would take you up to, if you played all 10 games this season, plus the one, 40 career games that you've played uh, or shown at least in the stats for Oshkosh. That is rarefied air for any WEAC quarterback. We don't know yeah. of many freshman all the way quarterbacks uh, like that that have been able to you know produce to that degree looking back to the degree you want to at this point I know it's tough because you still got something big in front of you here looking back how does it feel I mean how does it feel to know you've been trusted to that degree with this team at the helm of the offense to do what you've been doing for Oshkosh and uh, lead it into the future this way yeah, I would say it's a privilege, honestly. Like, but with privileges, those can be taken away at any time. So I need. I knew that once I was given the opportunity, once I was given the job, um, I was gonna do my best and never lose it. Right. Like, I wanted to make sure that I play every single game, make sure that I'm playing every down, make sure that I'm always there for my teammates when they need me. Right. And I think that the biggest thing is I've matured a lot since my early, my early like, since the 2019. I had a lot of time to mature, and I think I matured a lot as a leader. I think a lot of the guys in the locker room have matured a lot as leaders, and I think that's the biggest thing is we've had a lot of guys step up in those leadership roles where it's not just me leading. It's We have seven leaders on offense. We have tons of leaders on defense, right? That's just talking about, like, the top leaders in positions, right? We have tons of leaders in the receiver room, running back room, O-line room, and then on defense there's tons of leaders. So. I would honestly say that it's a privilege and I'm thankful for this opportunity, but um, I'm just looking forward to this season ahead. And then after this season, hopefully maybe I'll come back on here and we can talk about that then. Right. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll definitely be watching with interest to see, you know, if it's a, a playoff run or maybe a, a Culver's Christmas bowl. And yeah, since we seem to have a, a kind of a quarterback heavy show, Frank, I might as well just keep throwing this question out there. 
Um, you know, speaking of Culver's, I mean, I know they grow them big out there in Wisconsin. I'm sure your offensive linemen can can eat a decent amount. Is there kind of a go-to place that you want that you take your O-line? Um, hopefully, it doesn't break the bank. But you know, is there sort of a, a Wisconsin Oshkosh favorite spot for you guys when it's a maybe a you know for a lunch or celebratory meal after a win? Um, yeah, we have like the fifth quarter. We go to the um, it's the Fox River. Um, they serve us pizza and stuff. So we go there after games. But actually, last night we had a. It was like it was basically everyone on the team. We all went to wings at Parker John's here in Oshkosh, so that was pretty cool. We we were actually going just as quarterbacks Sounds as good. a position because we go out as each week we go out and we eat as a position group. So we were actually going to go to Parker John's for the wings, and then we show up and everyone on our team is there. It was basically the whole team just in Parker John's on Wednesday night. So it was pretty <laughs> awesome to hang out with all the guys and that eat some wings fun. and just relax, you know, just kind of not focus on football and just spend time with your teammates and really enjoy the little things that come with being on a football team. I think that's one of the most special things yeah. about football is the fact that you can bond with so many different people and you can really become brothers with people you never expect, right? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, breaking news alert just hit my phone that there is a chicken shortage suddenly in Wisconsin after last night's Parker John's experience. Uh, just, just the thought there. Uh, Kobe, it's a pleasure, and we'll take you up on the idea of maybe having you on later on uh, after this uh, ride is done, because it's a hell of a ride you've had and a hell of a ride you got coming up still here. Uh, but before we let you go, we're going to give you that opportunity for any shout-outs to family, friends, teammates, whomever you like. The floor is yours. Kobe Berghammer, shout-outs. I'd just like to shout out my mom and dad. Obviously, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for them. Um, and then I'm going to shout out my O-line right there. They got the hardest job on the football field. They got to protect me. Um, so I really want to give them a shout out. They don't really get the glory that they should at all times. But I'm going to give them some glory right now because the O-line, shout out to them. They, they make this whole thing work. Without them, none of this would be possible. How many did you lose to graduation uh, in terms of starters, uh, and how many do you bring back this year, Co? Um, we lost three starters on offense last year, and I want to say we lost two starters on defense. Okay, so uh, but O line is it fully intact, or did you lose? Uh, We're bringing back four of our five starters from last year. It's good, uh, good uh, return right there for sure, That's and uh, yes, I, I think, I think yeah, you better make sure you have the credit card ready uh, for uh, them to uh, protect you the right way this season because you have to feed them well uh, to make sure in that conference especially and with your out-of-conference schedule because uh, you guys are not playing slouches uh, throughout this season from top to bottom. So good luck to you. Thank you for your time here and for joining us, and uh, we'll see you down the line here. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Kobe Berghammer. Wow, that was great. Great to have him yeah. from UWO. The hammer. So, JB. Yeah, I know we didn't really get into it. I didn't. We... Oh, after you, sir. I was just going to say we're 50 minutes into this uh, show, and, uh, you know, we, we barely talked about predictions and what's coming up and everything else, and uh, we've had two quality quality interviews loved every bit of these uh interviews so far and uh thanks to yeah, the sids that always help us get these things together go ahead now your turn sir yeah and you know we didn't really get a chance to get into it with kobe because we were just sort of you know enjoying his shooting the breeze there but i mean look at their schedule frank they've got 
TLU this weekend. They're playing Wheaton at Wheaton. And so they got to go down to Chicagoland for a huge game in week two. They have to travel again to Texas in week three. And then fortunately, they get a little breather there before they host Whitewater in the start of week five. So can you imagine your WEAC opener against the defending <laughs> conference champions? I mean, what a schedule that these guys have lined up. I mean, I know that there have been, there have been some other um, you know, Twitter handles, what have you, that have sort of said, oh, this is the toughest schedule in the country. This is the toughest schedule. Um, but you'd have to put UWO right up there with some of these other teams because, man, uh, Wheaton and, uh, and Whitewater in a couple of weeks is, is pretty tough, not to mention the ASC teams that they're taking on. Yeah, let's pop it up there, uh, and I'm going to try to z actually zoom in on it for folks so they can see it a little bit better there. But uh, yeah. UWO's uh, schedule. Yeah, it looks like that was last right year's. Yeah, it was last year. Hold on. We, we, we can fix that yep. in a second here uh, with uh, the yeah. 2023 mm -hmm. hit. But we'll glitch here on d3football.com. But there you go. And uh, Texas Thank Lutheran, Wheaton. <laughs> yeah. Wheaton uh, is that team that, honestly, compared to the teams, uh, you know, North Central and Wheaton, I feel like Wheaton's got the better uh, non-conference schedule this season out of the batch of them there. Yeah. Uh, East Texas Baptist, I, I mean, and then Whitewater. I mean, you start your conference season with Whitewater. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you got to be joking, especially if you're Coach Jennings looking at that like, um, you know, can we, like, push that to week seven or eight, please? <laughs> Yeah, right. Seriously. And uh, oh, goodness. Know, not too far down but is, they, is they, lacrosse, which was... Oof. Yeah, well, they have the week off there, too, on the 23rd. So they do get a little time between the okay. out-of-conference and the conference schedule. So they at least they get a breather. Yeah. But my goodness, that that's uh, something that probably... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I'd want that uh, schedule personally, but they're going to play it. And they got to play that's it at this point. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. So... Uh, taking a look at the update on our uh, poll here, uh, Del Val Cortland uh, is beginning to, if I uh, get my uh, mouse out of the way there, there we go. Okay. Del Val Cortland coming back slightly, not, not a fully. Of points, not a ton. They need another 19.5% swing here, basically, to get me to come to that game on Saturday. So, again, if you're a Del Val Cortland fan, get your friends on Twitter and have them vote on this poll. It's right at the top of both of our pages right now. We retweeted it out before the show. So just scroll right by, you know, the, the, the top stuff, and you'll find this poll right there. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you lose a shirt? <laughs> did Mueller just fall you know, again? Coach, <laughs> Coach Nate, if you're watching... Apparently, this, uh, this lovely um, polo that you so kindly sent, along with a really lovely note, is too heavy to hang up there. So, I mean, well, actually, there's a good reason I may have to put this on a little bit later. We, we may have a, a guest joining us, um, you know, from, from the Centennial Conference. But, yeah, sorry, Coach. Just, just too, too much, you know, this material too heavy for that so i'll have to like scooch my uh scooch my video here a little bit and sort of you know i got i got some other region two one and and three teams up there i need a little more uh, region four through six swag apparently so 
you know where to find us. Um, we're always happy to represent. I had to put a couple teams. I got uh, Birmingham Southern right over my shoulder. They're kicking off, um, playing at the War Memorial tonight against McMurray. Kind of a good uh, interconference kickoff game in a, a big stadium, so that's exciting. But yeah, um, I try to keep the Muhlenberg shirt up there. Too heavy duty, so I'll just have to, you know, let it sit on the shoulder blade for a little while. <laughs> Uh, well, I will we'll just go with that. I, I actually would say, I, I want to go back to this for a second if I can. Uh, I'm impressed with the usage of the guitars for the hats, actually. That, that's a quality yeah. idea. I mean, nice, yeah, nice no, idea. It was the only way I was going to get them in the shot, you know. So we got, we got our Western New England Golden Bears over here. I mean, that was from uh, Coach LeBeau when they came down here to Florida. Um, his wife kindly tracked me down and... and Handed me that along with a shirt, and then we also have the uh, the Salve hat on the uh, on the other guitar right there. Boom, Salve being a team, I think you picked in our uh, first preseason show, Frank, as a team to keep an eye on in their new conference, the uh, the New Mac. So we'll see what happens with our friends of the Seahawks. They actually have a Thursday night game next week against uh, Framingham State. So we have a couple of. Thursday night uh, football things going on. We have uh, Stevenson and Rowan kicking off in about 90 minutes. We have another 10 or, or so games that will also be going on throughout the evening. We've got a couple of games on Friday and then a slew of games all day Saturday. So it should be uh, an exciting first week of D3 football. I, I hit it. You, I swear I hit it. I swear I hit it. And it did not stick that time. It wouldn't be a preseason show without that. Yeah, sometimes you just don't stick it. <laughs> As I was saying, we have 92 minutes until kickoff. And let's explain what else is coming up here on our show. And then we'll uh, kind of... Uh, regroup and restart as they call it uh, we will have some discussion about all six regions and the games to watch in week one um, and a lot of interconference inter matchups uh, we are going to have more guests as well uh, including Joe Rapetti at five o'clock or thereabouts and then David Flores around 5 20 p.m. who is the ASC uh, commissioner American Southwest commissioner and then Tucker Horn at around 5.35 p.m. Eastern Time from Trinity. So we are jam-packed in the 5 o'clock hour leading up to kickoff at 6 o'clock. Yeah. We, we will take you briefly there, and then we'll let you go along your way to watch the game you want to watch here on Thursday night. So, JB, as we are almost at that one-hour mark of the show, let us restart here or regroup. You're watching In the Huddle. JB with a quick costume change, and well done, my friend, there, putting on the Muhlenberg polo. And again, uh, welcome back to our kickoff countdown show. This is being uh, shown live. However, you may be watching it as a recording. It will replace our normal Friday live show. should also, for programming notes, uh, alert you that next week with Labor Day, 
on Monday. Uh, our Crunch Time show will likely be on Tuesday with highlights uh, and uh, reactions from the games of this weekend. Then uh, next Friday, I will be traveling during our normal Crunch Time show, or our uh, normal live show on Friday. So we will be doing something on Thursday. Whether we air it on Thursday or Friday, we still have to determine. So just watch our Twitter. We'll explain to you where we're going with that show. Then the following Friday, uh, we'll be back to normal with our Friday live shows in the mornings, uh, leading you up for uh, what's going to be week three action at that point, etc. And that'll be our general uh, go at it. Mondays or Tuesdays for crunch time. Fridays generally for a live show and then some content on Twitter with respect to games I attend throughout the country this season not just a region not just a state but throughout the country and uh, we'll start that early in week two uh, with uh, me down in San Antonio Texas and JV is going to be doing some traveling as well this year. JB, I'm going to give you a second here uh, to uh, begin getting us into this mood of uh, teams or games uh, to watch here for week one. We should go run through all six okay. sets uh, to make sure that we've touched them all yep. in some way, shape, or form or another. We'll start here with uh, week one games in region one. Go for it. Yeah, so Region 1 won't really kick off until Friday night, and we have a, a three games going on that, that are all pretty interesting in that region with Mass Dartmouth taking on Nichols, Salve versus Curry, and Worcester State versus WPI, kind of the, the Battle of Worcester uh, there, um, a good rivalry game. Um, Saturday, though, is when things really kind of get going in, in the Northeast with uh, Merchant Marine going, going to WestCon. I will be at the Bridgewater MIT game, um, taking one of the kids up to college in Boston again. <laughs> so um, MIT is conveniently a mile down the road from where we're staying and where um, Katie's going to be going to school. So uh, I, I con connected with uh, our friend Brian Bubna, and for some reason he's going to let me on the field, and I'll try not to get in the way. Um, Alfred State is uh, playing an interesting cross-conference game against uh, Misericordia who I believe is still in the MAC. <laughs> you know, there's been a few changes there, but they're, they're still in the MAC. Norwich versus Husson, um, kind of the Vermont versus uh, Maine battle there. Plymouth State and Castleton, New Hampshire versus Vermont. I think actually Castleton is technically now like the um, University of Vermont at Castleton or something to that effect. Uh, I'll, I'll just keep it to Castleton because that's easier to remember. Coast Guard versus UNE. I actually have a hat over there, but since I'm attached to this computer, I'm not going to get up and grab it. Um, Springfield in Western New England, the Pinch and Saw, a great rivalry game. Um, Springfield is, you know, coming off a playoff uh, season. They've they've had, you know, a couple now. WNU has, um, WNEU has. Uh, here we go. These guys have struggled a little bit of late. We need to see what's going on with these Golden Bears. You know, they're gonna they're hosting the game. They haven't uh, beaten Springfield in a couple of seasons now. Can they take them down, the, the local rival? We'll see. And then in the MAC, there's Lyco versus Widener, a great kind of classic um, Pennsylvania rivalry. Hartwick and Maritime is at four. Westfield State, uh, which has really been kind of going crazy on social media, Frank, on Twitter th this past offseason uh, with recruiting and offers and all this stuff. You know, maybe the Owls are going to start to you know, turn, turn the corner a little bit here. And they're taking on Anna Maria, who had a little bit of a step back, um, you know, last season. But uh, they, they want to try to get back to the top of the ECFC. And with only five teams in that conference, it's anybody's ballgame. 
as long as they say at five, they will have that automatic bid for two years. Uh, now they've dropped underneath the number uh, with the landmark yeah. taking some of their uh, teams and other things, new Mac, et cetera. There was some definite shift, shifting, shuffling going on. And we'll talk a little bit about shifting and shuffling with David Flores from the American Southwest Conference, uh, new to the job, but obviously having to get really, really acquainted with what that all means at the end of the day for his conference. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, JB, definitely a good job there uh, covering all these. Um, you know, I, I still look at that uh, Springfield-Western New England game. I feel like it's a winnable game for Western New England at home. And Springfield, you know, coming back from playoff run and everything else, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to expect from them any given year. That that's the funny thing about Springfield, except for they're a strong team every year. But this crosstown rivalry, I've been to the Pinch and Saw game before uh, when they used to be at night. I wish they would go back to that on a Friday night, mm -hmm. uh, and I'd happily get back out yeah. there for it. Uh, but nonetheless. It's, it's one of those games that will define one of those teams' seasons, maybe both of them uh, for that matter. But I, I think it's going to be highly competitive. We'll see where it goes at that point. And Merchant Marine versus Westcon, there's the one that was a, a little different uh, than your conventional uh, mm -hmm. out-of-conference game for Merchant Marine Academy. So I'm curious to see that result as well. Uh, you're going to see that uh, MIT game, as you said. So there is Region 1. Uh, let's go to Region 2. Take it away. Yeah, so uh, as we've been saying since the top of this uh, show, we've got Stevenson versus Rowan at 6 o'clock. That's the first game of the 23 season. And uh, over my shoulder during this broadcast, uh, you know, Brockport is going to be doing the I-90 um, Bowl against uh, Buffalo State at 7 o'clock. So the, the Golden Eagles will take on the Bengals uh, for bragging rights there on I-90 in western New York. Friday night, my, uh, my Hobart Statesman, uh, my alma mater, is going to travel to Alfred uh, to take them on at 7 o'clock. And now this year, McDaniel, which is a Region 3 team, is playing Catholic, which is now a Region 2 team in the landmark. They're not a Region 1 team anymore, so as far as I understand it. Maybe we'll have to go to the you know, NCAA to confirm it, but as far as I understand, the landmark teams are Region 2, and so that means Catholic um, is now a Region 2 squad, and they will be hosting... McDaniel from, I believe, North Carolina uh, is where uh, McDaniel's based or in the Mid-Atlantic um, area. So I, I, I like the, uh, you know, I like Catholic in that one. So um, then Saturday, the game that Frank might be going to, Ithaca versus Johns Hopkins, a huge game between two top 25 teams. Both teams are, have been picked first to win their respective conferences. Ithaca was picked to win the Liberty League. Hopkins was picked to win the Centennial. And we also have DelVal versus Cortland, uh, two defending conference champions and playoff teams from last year. DelVal has won the MAC many years in a row. Cortland was the Empire 8 champion. And then uh, Kings versus Wilkes, the Mayor's Cup is up for grabs in, in Wilkes-Barre. It's a big, uh, a big rivalry trophy game for them. And one of the games that I, that I hope people aren't sleeping on is this Westminster versus Grove City, one o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Maybe it doesn't have the top 25 you know, fanfare, but these are great. Some of these PAC conference matchups, and that this this year all ten games for the PAC will be conference games. This is a huge game in the PAC to kick things off. Marshall State will go to Jersey to take on Kane. FDU Forum is going to play um, William Patterson also there in Jersey, and then Southern Virginia takes on Christopher Newport at five. And Carnegie Mellon, our friends out in Pittsburgh, will be going to Geneva for a 7:30. 
uh, late night kickoff on Saturday. Um, you know, thanks to the folks over at, at CMU, they sent some game notes over to us. And when you look at their roster, Frank, those Tartans bring back a lot from that 2020 uh, PAC championship and playoff team. This is going to be a, um, a, a tough team to beat in Region 2. This is where I insert my uh, dejection toward the pack, not playing any out-of-conference games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff, right? Yeah, okay. Um, to uh, help clean up your mess a little bit on this one, uh, McDaniel is from Westminster, Maryland. Uh, so you're, you're up by a couple of states there, I buddy. I thought that but was they are, Maryland. Okay. Uh, they are a centennial team. So we're going to miss. So. My bad. Yep, centennial. So it's Region 2 right. versus Region 2 now. Were... I was thinking of Methodist. Which is the totally that's different correct. program. But there you go. That, that's a good call. That's okay. Pre- preseason bogey or whiff number one of or number three or five or sixteen. Uh, you know, it, uh, we'll get the rust out over the season. I, I trust me there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out about all that now. Uh, well, uh, it's just to again, uh, you know, bring this up: Ithaca, Hopkins, Delval, Cortland. Two major matchups right off the bat in Week One. Not your conventional matchups for them in out of conference games. Their challenges through and through. Uh, you know, Ithaca and Cortland. Uh, I, I, Cortland's gone out uh, on a whim on a, a couple of occasions to uh, take some teams on that were maybe uh, stretches or challenges. Ithaca. Uh, there have been years where they've kind of, I think, just trying to flow, try to flow, fly, just try to fly under the radar. He said. Um, but they are certainly not doing so here with the Hopkins game and, you know, kudos to them for doing this. Uh, but, uh, right now it looks like we get a front row seat, uh, for the Ithaca Hopkins, uh, matchup. If, uh, this continues, unless again, the poll changes, uh, with 240 yeah. votes in it right now. But, uh, you know, Kings Wilkes is a rivalry game and the, the shifting that went around in region two has forced some of these rivalry games, uh, like also Moravian at Muhlenberg. Uh, to just kind of front load themselves uh, into uh, week one. And Moravian uh, Muhlenberg is going to be tomorrow night. It's not on our list here, but it uh, should be probably um, mm-hmm. on Friday 9-1. Uh, it just, it, it's a rivalry. And Moravian with a new head coach got to uh, talk with him at uh, the uh, Landmark Media Day uh, about a month ago. Uh, very excited and uh, very energetic uh, fellow, and we'll see what happens uh, with that team as well. Uh, exciting football in, in Region 2, but a lot of uncertainty with respect to what has changed over the last couple of years into this year especially. So there is that. Region 3, JB, I will let you take us briefly through here. Uh, as uh, Actually, we haven't looked too deeply into Region 3. Uh, we did with 4 and 6 a little bit yeah. more, but Region 3... Go ahead, take a fresh whack at it. Well, it's funny because I just retweeted um, Bellhaven's, uh, you know, uh, game day tweet. They they will be hosting uh, Millsaps, and uh, they're they're kicking off at seven Central, eight Eastern. Um, Bellhaven's uh, broadcast, if you've never seen it, is fantastic. Um, great clear video, really good views of the field, and and so they that will be a nice one if if you want to watch some games later tonight. Um, ETBU is taking on um, a NIAI school in Louisiana Christian, and as I mentioned before, it, you know, behind me in the gold um, is uh, Birmingham Southern versus McMurray at uh, 7 Eastern time, I believe, uh, at the War Memorial. Um, here we go. We got our Birmingham Southern. This is, it is September, which is a uh, pediatric cancer awareness month. I bought 
this T-shirt to help support that cause uh, last year. Um, you know, hard to believe that our friend Mikey Weinstein hasn't been with us for almost a decade now, and so we're always um, you know, big fans of supporting causes like that, and we appreciate um, Birmingham Southern for you know, bringing that to light and, and uh, just doing lots of other great things in the, in the Birmingham community. They've um, been very active with us on social media, and, and we certainly you know, appreciate that partnership. Um, elsewhere in Region 3, we've got Albright going down to Texas to take on Hardin-Simmons on Friday night. Saturday, we have a bunch of games um, in Tennessee, Maryville versus Sewanee or the University of the South. I, I, they probably have a kickoff time for that. I can double check that in a, in a minute. But Randolph-Macon versus NC Wesleyan, Wabash versus Hammond-Sydney, which we spoke about earlier. That's going to be a great matchup. Salisbury versus Washington and Lee. This game could have a running clock that doesn't stop. Uh, Washington Lee, one of those more triple option types of teams. Salisbury does a modified, more spread passing version of the triple option. Um, they lost a lot of guys uh, to injury last season, but they're back and lots better health this season. We'll be kind of curious to see how they fare in that game on the road against a good um, ODAC team there. Wash U is traveling to Arkansas to take on Hendricks. That's a, that's a kind of a rare matchup, a team from Missouri heading down to the southeast for a game. And then, Frank, this game might be a surprising thing situation here. Susquehanna at Bridgewater, Virginia at 2 o'clock. Bridgewater is a very strong team. Um, Susquehanna has lost some key players uh, to graduation, although they were picked um, to win the landmark, their new conference. I, could the Eagles pull off the, the proverbial upset? I don't know if we call that an upset um, on, their, on their home field. They are a team that could actually win that game, in my opinion. Huntington versus Barry. Um, Huntington has been um, the USA South champ for the last couple of seasons. Playoff team. Barry had a run there where they won five or six SAA titles in a row before Trinity knocked them off. Um, so they're looking, the Vikings are looking to get back on track. That'll be a six o'clock kickoff. Hanover versus Center, um, you know, our, our friend uh, Trenton Duper, I'm sure, will be you know, watching that game. Hopefully he's there in person to cheer on his teammates. A little more on him in a little bit. And then Sol Ross State, which is one of the ASC teams that's moving up to Division Two, is taking on Western New Mexico, um, which I believe is either um, a D2 or FCS, uh, maybe. And I, the type is too small. I'd have to get, you know, I'd have to get the... Uh, in glasses here to see that one, but um, you get my point. That's Region 3. Going back out for a second, uh, why, why don't we uh, cover the topic you just brought up. Uh, Trenton Duper uh, will join us at some point this season. I was uh, communicating with him today. He's in Houston for some tests, uh, but uh, he is okay. a uh, grad assistant this season uh, for center, which means that he is essentially Good. back to some level of normal. Uh, obviously you can never return mm -hmm. fully. It's going to take a toll on your body, what he went through with his cancer yeah. uh, situation. Uh, but, uh, we are just thrilled, uh, of, uh, you know, the power of prayer, the power of, uh, medicine and everything else, uh, that allowed him to bounce back and, you know, continue to be somebody with a role in football somehow, some way here. Uh, so Trenton Duper, yeah. I mean, I think we all remember uh, the way he looked when he came on the show with us last year during some of the throws of the worst of what he was going through with a couple of rounds to go. And seeing pictures of him recently, it's been just like, wow. Uh, you know, he is mm -hmm. definitely on the rebound, and we pray that that remains the case. Yeah, you're never fully, fully, fully in the clear. You've always got to make sure you're watching for a reemergence. But... Mm -hmm. 
They feel that they uh, have gotten him into a very good position. Hopefully the tests this week uh, will make sure that that is remaining the case and uh, he will lead a life of normalcy and football and whatever else he wants uh, in his life down the line. So yeah, congratulations so. to him and to his family and to everybody around uh, the program of center. Um, with respect to the rest of uh, Region 3, as you were talking here, uh, we see that, uh, you know, Albright to me is a team I, I credit for going out mm -hmm. on the limb on these week one games. So we, I mean, they hosted UMHB a number of years ago and then did the return yeah. uh, uh, the next year. Here they are with Harden Simmons. This is not unusual for them. I think they truly believe that if they're going to come back to Albright of old, they need to play teams that are going to maybe beat them, but give them some education about themselves and what they need to improve upon. And so I, I credit them. If you're willing to take the L yeah. in the hopes of giving the W for the conference ultimately to get your playoff slot, you know what? More power to you. I, I, I can never fault a team for taking the risk like that. So yeah, there you have it. Absolutely. Region four, again, we, we uh, kind of, uh, when we were vamping earlier, uh, went a little deep on, but uh, we'll uh, go through it briefly here. Yep. Not a huge number of games here to talk about, but uh, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, and as I mentioned in the, uh, in the early part of the show, there is actually a Thursday night game uh, tonight uh, in, in Region 4 between um, Heidelberg and, and Hiram. Um, and I think that game, let me just double check, I think it's a 7 p.m. kickoff, but let me just make sure that the, uh, yeah, that's a 7 p.m. kickoff. The game is at Hiram. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not. Who knows? Um, so that, that's tonight if you, if you want to see the student princes, um, and so that, that'll be going on. But really the games for Region 4 are, are mostly uh, Saturday from anywhere from noon to 1 to 2, 1 to 1.30 kickoffs. Obviously the John Carroll Whitewater game is the big one um, that everyone is going to uh, be tuning in for. Uh, but don't sleep on some of the other games that are out there like St. John Fisher versus Marietta. That's an interesting matchup. Um, you know, DePaul versus Rolls-Holman is an interesting matchup. Same, same thing with Mount St. Joe's, which was a playoff team last year, versus Baldwin-Wallace, who theoretically could have won the OAC if some crazy tip drill didn't happen in the end zone and Wayne Ruby didn't make the catch of the season. Um, I mean, we named him our Offensive Player of the Year for, um, for 22, and probably the main reason is, is that I don't think there was a single play other than maybe the Tucker Horn touchdown pass that, that beat Birmingham Southern in that uh, amazing game that was a better play by an individual to save their team's you-know-what when they really needed it. I mean, that was the difference between Mount Union not making the playoffs or not. I mean, that was just and it was a, a, a heads-up play by, by Ruby, and you got to credit that. So I know Baldwin Wallace will be back. And hey, speaking of Baldwin Wallace, they just got a guy into the NFL. Wasn't invited to any camps, wasn't invited to you know, any bowl games or anything like that. He just you know, got a chance as an undrafted free agent. And now, lo and behold, he's on the Titans. I wish I knew the guy's name off the top of my head, but maybe you know, Frank. But an amazing story for um, Baldwin Wallace. I believe if I, um, I think we actually just uh, tweeted that. I think our friends at the third division um, had posted something about that. So let me see if I can find it here. It, uh, oh yeah, here he is. Anthony Kendall, His, Anthony uh, Kendall. Anthony Kendall. He's from he's from uh, uh, Port uh, I think Ritchie, Florida, down here in uh, in the like the Tampa 
area. So congratulations to him and uh, to his family. That's exciting. We'll definitely be keeping tabs on him. Maybe we'll get him on in the huddle later this season. We'll see. We've had a few pro players who've shown up in the past, so you never know. Well, uh, I wanted to maybe bring it up. I, I sort of was just uh, tooling on uh, the new Union College uh, mascot, nickname, whatever you want to call it, uh, instead. But imagine being Jeff Behrman going from the prospects of having a, uh, an opener against Hilbert, which is Union's opener, uh, and an yeah. opener versus, J, er, versus uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. I mean, what a night and day change it is ultimately for Jeff Behrman having made the move to his yeah. old college, old stomping grounds, and mm -hmm. picking up this as the opener. He, uh, we were trying in earnest to get him on the show with us or record Careful an interview with him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. But uh, with my health situation this week and his schedule, uh, it just wouldn't allow, to, allow it to happen. But we will get him on later in the season. Really appreciate uh, yeah, Coach absolutely. Behrman for everything that he's uh, done for us over the years when he was at Union. Uh, he's a Dutchman through and through, and I stress Dutchman through and through. Uh, okay, uh, Region 5, again, uh, not a huge number of games here, but that Platteville-Lakeland game is going to tell me who Platteville may be this season after that weird, weird 2022 that they had with success in certain places where you never would have expected it and then dropping games that they never should have in some ways either. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so the, I mean, yeah, the, the Pios were very hot and cold in 22. Um, you know, Lakeland is a, is a good program, but it's a team that they should probably um, take care of in somewhat convincing, convincing fashion. Same thing with um, Rockford and Beloit. I think, um, you know, even though it's a little later kickoff, you know, the, these, these are teams that are going to struggle a little bit this season. What's interesting, though, will be on Saturday is when, when Region 5 really kind of gets underway. The defending champs are taking on um, a neighborhood uh, rival, I guess you could say. They're, uh, you know, they're a Division II school in, in the Chicagoland area, so uh, they'll, they'll play Roosevelt. I think this is just one of those situations where, you know, when you have a when you go to three stag bowls and you win a couple of them, not a lot of people want to play you in, in the first week of the season, so you have to sometimes, you know, Play up, and so that's what we're going to see when they take on Roosevelt. It's an away game, I guess, for the uh, for the Cardinals, but li literally a few miles down the road, it's not not that far. Uh, Albion versus Carthage could be an interesting matchup, Frank. I mean, Albion was a team that was in the mix, um, you know, there in in the MIAA, and and so they're they're kind of jumping across uh, to take on uh, on Carthage here. Um, I'm not going to this next one. Okay, it's Buna Vista, right? Did I say that right? It's it. You got it's, it. It messes Beautiful me up stuff. because my one of my aunt lives in Buena Park, California, which is spelled exactly like Buna. So I always struggle with that one. And they, they of course are playing Gustavus Adolphus, um, which is another Gustavus mouthful. Adolphus. So, Gustavus. Yeah, he, Gustavus. Gustavus, not Gustavus. Okay. So the pronunciation bowl winner goes to this one. Um, I'm not even going to try to say it anymore. Uh, our, <laughs> our pal, Coach Cat. Um, is uh, taking you know his foresters, the defending uh, Midwest champs, to Wisconsin Lutheran for a 7 p.m. kickoff. That should be a, a, an interesting game. Um, Wisconsin Lutheran always has some some good crowds and and should be an electric uh, you know electric environment for them. And but 
Um, Lake Forest, once again, uh, no surprise, picked to win the Midwest uh, after winning it this past season. It seems to be a common theme. I think even D3 Football did a, a little article. It's like, if there's, if there's a defending champ from 22, chances are they're going to get picked to be the preseason favorite. But, of course, upsets happen. You never know. We'll see how it goes throughout the season. But we, with, we wish Coach Cat and his Foresters uh, the best of luck this year. Knox takes on Eureka, Augustana versus Simpson. And then my game of the week, honestly, Frank, was this Monmouth versus Wartburg game at 8 p.m. on Saturday night, one of the later kickoffs that we'll see. And Wartburg is obviously a team that made it to the semifinals. They probably should have made it to the Stag Bowl, but they scored a little too early, gave um, Mount Union a little more time than they maybe should or could have. And, hey, you know, Owen Grover and that defense is going to be geared up. They, they've got, I think, Niles Laughlin, the, the quarterback. They've got um, Turbo, um, the, the running back, I guess it was from the uh, ATN podcast. We heard a lot about him. Um, so Wartburg is definitely a team. We picked them number three in our top 25 poll. We expect big things out of the, out of the Knights, and uh, we'll see. JB, I'm going to uh, just run down quickly here on the screen, Region 6, since we actually did uh, talk a little bit more about this screen uh, already uh, once. Uh, yep. But the two UWs uh, you see on the Thursday games there, and then that Trinity St. John's, UMHB, River Falls, Texas Lutheran, Oshkosh, uh, triumvirate of Region 3 versus Region 6, specifically Texas versus Region 6 going on right there mm. at the top of the Saturday list is huge. Uh, Howard Payne. Uh, versus George Fox is a uh, you know a similar Texas versus Region Six scenario at the bottom of the uh, yeah. list in terms of the timing at 8 p.m. Uh, you know Southwestern Cal Lutheran and Redlands uh, Pacific Lutheran uh, Southwestern Cal Lutheran I should say is another one. So you have literally five Texas teams going to Region Six to play games this weekend in Chapman versus Pacific. Yeah, one JB, of the I, things that we'll, maybe we'll try to talk with, um, with David Flores, the ASC commissioner, about is one of the ideas that's been floated out there because of the um, exodus that's happened there in Texas is maybe um, the, the SCIAC or the C, the Southern California Interscholastic Athletic Conference, or you know, however you want to pronounce that, um, play the, they basically merge with the ASC and become you know, they, they have their sort of out of conference or make that a, a kind of a co combined conference thing because they, the, um, the teams in Southern California are having a hard time playing games. They, they're going to divide up into two divisions and play each other twice effectively to try to, you know, mitigate some travel. But there have been, at least I've seen on, on Twitter and elsewhere, some proposals of like, hey, why don't those two conferences move, or, you know, or, or merge rather. And so we'll, we'll talk to David about that. And uh, I think he's going to be joining us in about a half an hour. Um, oh, looks like we got another point there. Um, moving on up for uh, for Delval Cortland, but still, long way to go to catch catch Hopkins, Frank. Indeed, uh, and uh, JB. Before we go to uh, the one hour mark for the kickoff here, uh, the kickoff countdown, we want to uh, play your interview uh, that you did recently. You went on the road. Why don't you introduce real quickly yeah, uh, your interview and uh, who you got here? Yeah, so um, I, my kid's uh, college is conveniently only about 15, 20 minutes away from Bridgewater State, so I had the pleasure of uh, just driving down the road a little bit to uh, check in on the Bears and Coach Varia. Um, he is, uh, 
after he, you know, he graduated there a long time ago. He's been with the program as an, as an alum and a coach for a long, long time. But it's only been in the last couple of years where he's actually been elevated to a full-time employee. He, you know, he worked a separate job and was kind of you know, doing this part-time. Um, they have a brand new um, field turf, uh, not new stadium, but the, the, the turf's been upgraded. They have this beautiful locker room they call the Bear Claw. Um, they're, they're definitely um, trying to step things up. They, they won, I think, six of their last seven games. They're the New England Bowl defending champions. Um, and they're going into a game this weekend against MIT. Uh, they took on Ithaca the last couple of years. They learned some lessons uh, you know, playing a team of that caliber. But I think the, even though UMD, US, UMass Dartmouth, is still the favorite in the MASCAC, don't sleep on these Bears. They're pretty excited about the 23 season. I had a chance to talk to Coach in the Bear Claw of all places about their upcoming season, and I'll see them on Saturday. Hey, D3 Nation, welcome to the Bear Paw. Is that what we call it, it Coach? Is the Bear Paw. The yes. Bear Paw here in beautiful Bridgewater, Massachusetts. This is part of our season one in the huddle preview. We're talking about the MASCAC with Coach Marnie here, the New England Bowl champions from 21, am I right? Uh, 20, 22. Yep, 22. 22. Yep. 22, 1-7 are their last eight games. Coach, I know you have a a lot of your squad coming back. Tell us a little about the fall preseason, how things are looking. Things are going well. Things are going well. Like I, as, I, as I mentioned to you, the kids had a great off season. They, uh, they went into the spring focused, um, had a great spring ball. Mm -hmm. First year we really were able to have pads. Yep. Um, and uh, they worked really, really hard in the off season. And this fall has been a fantastic camp so far. Yeah. And we're looking forward to our scrimmage on Friday against Anna Maria. Anna Maria team apparently has a couple of NFL caliber guys. It seems yeah. like you, here in Massachusetts we're getting some looks from pro scouts. Is that what's happening? Yep, they have a really good wide receiver who's very tall kid, athletic, very mm -hmm. fast. And they got a big tight end who I'm hearing that uh, is getting looks from different teams. Yeah. What are some of the lessons that you guys took from the 22 season trying to keep it rolling into 23? Well, I think, to be honest with you, we started off extremely slow. As, uh, as we mentioned, we started off 0-3. Mm -hmm. So the big hope is is that we get off to a, a much better start and we have the same finish yeah, or yeah. better. So you're not going too far just down the road to Cambridge to take on MIT, a team right. that you haven't seen in a while. Correct. You know, Coach Bubman always has the, has some smart guys there. They got right? smart guys, we no get, doubt. Wicked smart, as they might say here yeah. locally. But yeah. um, how do you prepare for a team like that that you haven't seen in quite some time? Well, you know what? You search for film, try and find mm -hmm. out what they're doing, and just hope that they haven't changed too much. But you know what, we're, I think we're uh, very basic on defense at this point. So we're gonna line up and see what we can do offensively with multiple. So we'll be able to you know, go against whatever they're running at them. Yeah. I understand you have a, a strong backfield, good quarterback. What do you expect out of those guys? No, well, they're the leaders too. Uh, one of our captains, James Cahoon, our senior captain, mm -hmm. and our running back, Adam Couch, he's another captain. They're both tremendous leaders and they've been very productive football players and this is their final final go around, so yeah. they're looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we'll, look, we'll keep an eye out for the Bears this season on In the Huddle. And thanks, Coach, we appreciate you. You got it, yeah. thank you for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to meet you. Come check out the Bear Claw, this place is pretty sweet.
One hour till kickoff here in the 2023 season for D Division Three college football. And I am again Frank Rossi. That's James Baker. This is season 16 of In the Huddle, our 15-year anniversary coming later this month. Wow. I see Joe Rapetti in the wings. He'll be coming up next here from Muhlenberg. Uh, so he'll uh, stay tuned with us. But we want to take you through what the next hour is going to be because it's a lot here and we're going to move fast. Not too fast because we're going to get to have some quality time with each of our interviewees. But Joe Rapetti coming up next, quarterback from Muhlenberg. Then David Flores, the American Southwest Commissioner, will talk to us about that conference's future. Then Tucker Horn, quarterback from Trinity, to talk about the St. John's matchup later on this weekend. And then we'll go to kickoff. Stevenson versus Rowan to kick off the 2023 Division Three college football season, but not before we do our predictions, lightning predictions of games coming up this weekend. So you'll want to stay tuned for that, JB, as we uh, get ready here for our Joe Rapetti interview. Tell me your thoughts here as we are getting close to kickoff. Well, I'm just excited. It's hard to believe that we've been at this racket for 15 years, uh, our 16th season. Um, it's just so much fun and you know it's great because with facebook which has been you know kind of our, our primary you know platform now for for at least the last six years because we literally started um you know going to video i think in the 2017 season which was season 10 for us technically and um it's just been a fun ride and and the best part about this uh, experience for me i'm sure i'm speaking a little bit for you too is getting to meet some of these different players um you know the, the coaches you know they they have they've been around and you know we've we've seen some retire now we've we've been at this for a while and um you know we're getting some gray hairs and all that kind of stuff but still love d3 football and and just feel very uh privileged that we can have you know mostly thanks to you or this software and all this stuff that we have a platform to sort of put this out there and um you know just i'm really excited about this year and see where things go I'm noticing that you and uh, our next guest share a tailor or a clothier of some sort because uh, I, I'm noticing uh, a little bit of a pattern here. Well, yours uh, is a little bit different, and uh, the one I have is the same thing. Joe Rapetti, quarterback from Muhlenberg, is joining us here. And uh, Joe, how we doing, sir? And uh, how excited are you to start this 2023 season when you guys face off Friday night against Moravian? I'm doing very well, Frank. Um, it's a pleasure, to, pleasure for you guys to have me on here tonight and um, just looking forward to uh, getting after it tomorrow night on the field, um, getting back banging against another, uh, another opponent. Let's take a look at 2022 before we go too deep into 2023 here, Joe. It was a season where you caught a lot of eyes, including ours, in, uh, in terms of your leadership for a younger quarterback on a field out there, especially with a team that has such a storied history as Muhlenberg does. And, you know, you had some ups and downs, no doubt, last season. Your sinus bug just seems to be, you know, one before they left uh, the conference uh, that, you know, you just, you, you, or not leave the conference, but uh, before the conference shakes up, uh, that just sort of kind of bites you uh, again and again. And yet, you know, you guys still stood strong throughout the season, not the full finish necessarily you wanted. Kind of take me through the highs and lows of 2022 and what you learned coming into this 2023 season from that. Um, definitely simply put, the highs are all the wins and the lows are all the losses. Um, all of our losses, 18 or uh, not counting Mary Harden-Baylor, the first game of the season, all of our conference losses um, were 18 total points. 
Um, so that's just kind of leaves a sour taste in our mouth knowing we couldn't get over the hump in that fourth quarter of those games. Um, and the successes, the highs of the season, they don't really last with you that long. Um, they obviously do. Um, but going into this season, what we remember the most is those losses. Um, and it's seven points, seven points, and four points um, every game. And those three games, 18 points, uh, give us the conference victory or uh, lose us the conference like it, uh, like it did last year. So we're looking to be better in the fourth quarter in this upcoming year. Joe, you guys are sticking around, and so you're still part of the Centennial. But what was it like for the players when you, you heard this news of the landmark coming in and taking a couple of the teams like Susquehanna, where you've had some pretty epic battles against over the years? I mean, what was, the, what was sort of the thought process? Or it was just like, okay, well, it is what it is. We've got some, some new out-of-conference games, which is great, and we're just going to go play football. Right. Um... So it didn't really honestly affect us much, but at first we were like, who are we gonna, who are we gonna play? Um, there's now four games, I guess, that we would have had out of conference um, rather than the usual one. Um, and then obviously over the off season, they, uh, they joined it with the NJAC, the Centennial Conference. Um, so we'll be playing three of their teams. There's Salisbury, Montclair State, and uh, TCNJ. Um, but that doesn't change our overall mission. You know, uh, We're gonna go out there every single week, try to win that individual football game. Uh, take it one week at a time. Um, Make sure, you know, we're taking care of business week in, week out, week out uh, not taking any opponent too lightly. We know your uh, coach pretty well, Nate Milne, uh, your head coach, that is. And uh, he is somebody that values line play, especially that offensive line of yours. Uh, tell us about that offensive line. Who do you bring back? Who have you lost? And, uh, you know, give us the uh, outlook you have because these guys have to protect you. You are a very mobile quarterback. I was very impressed by what you were trying to do at that Mary Harden-Baylor game last season uh, when I was down there with you guys. But, I mean, uh, obviously you still need them to give you time to get a pocket presence there. So tell us about the O-line this season for Muhlenberg. So um, our offensive line, every single starter is back, going from left to right, Zach Greenberg, um, Gavin Baker. You got Ryan Reith, Jack Kinerny, and Matt Rockenzies. Um, all five of those guys are going to be back for us um, and helping us, you know, every offensive drive. Um, every year of experience, obviously, especially at the offensive line, you just learn more things, um, especially our center, Ryan Reith. He's been, uh, you know, just identifying blitzes. Um, it's, it just takes a lot of the pressure off of me. Obviously, we're doing all the same thing, but um, just kind of having multiple eyes on the backfield, including Zach Greenberg. He's pretty good at identifying who's coming, who's not. Um, communication's been a big part of it. We're just getting really comfortable with each other, comfortable with what's going on with the defense. Um, it just makes things run that much more smoothly. So, Joe, uh, this weekend you guys have a Friday night game. There's not too many uh, going on um, in, in Region 2 or in, in general across the nation, so you'll have sort of a, a primetime audience of sorts. But you're playing a team that you're pretty familiar with in Moravian. Um, what's, what's it been like kind of getting ready to play these guys and, and getting the season kicked off? Uh, it's been a little bit different than years prior. Um, obviously, it's a week one game, so you don't have much film on these guys, who they're going to be this year. And they're just bringing a new coach over from John Carroll now. So we've been watching a decent amount of John Carroll film, uh, trying to pick at that wherever we can find it. Because um, we don't really know what they're going to do, obviously. Uh, even week to week, you never know what a defense is truly going to do. Um, so we're just kind of preparing for everything and then uh, take it week by week, play or day by day, play by play during the game. Um, adjust on the fly and just kind of figure things out that way. Joe, uh, 
reading up on you, uh, you are a uh, high school three-sport athlete, I think captain, uh, in uh, all three sports, football, baseball, and basketball. So, of course, i got to ask you the question, if it wasn't football, which other sport would you be playing right now uh, and uh, why? Uh, I was actually considering playing baseball in college. Um, did some, I talked to some coaches, very few, but um, I don't know. It's just our uh, my senior year, we won a state championship, and that run was kind of something special, and I wanted to cherish that moment, and I really enjoyed playing baseball. Um, still playing in a summer league a little bit, um, like one game, two games a week, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it would probably be baseball in college if I did have a choice. But also, yeah, Petersburg, Petersburg, New Jersey, uh, and uh, you know your high school is in uh, Jersey. You decide to cross the border and go over to Pennsylvania to Muhlenberg. And you know, a lot of people don't necessarily make that jump from Jersey over to uh, the upper part of Pennsylvania like you have. Why Muhlenberg? Why did you make that jump with the talent you had and everything? Why did you feel that this was the place for you ultimately? Um, so when Muhlenberg started recruiting me, I'd never heard of it before, uh, like a lot of D3 schools out there. Um, but as soon as, you know, I started really talking to the coaching staff, it seemed like they really cared about the program. And then especially when it got to players panels, um, which was during COVID, um, kind of the worst recruiting experience I've ever, I could have ever imagined. But, uh, I visited campus once. I was here for like 20 minutes. Uh, I was covered in snow, like two feet of snow. Um, so that wasn't ideal. And then, um, Got on a virtual players panel one night, and you could just tell that the players here, uh, they it meant more to them to play football, to represent Muhlenberg um, on Friday nights, Saturdays, anything like that. Um, it just meant more to those guys, and they they wanted it. And that's what I wanted to be a part of um, as a college, in a college football program. And you learned that Muhlenberg is an elite college with an elite head coach, right? Is that that's where elite. we uh, go with this? Elite. Mm-hmm. JB? So I, I know that I know that Coach Nate is a former offensive lineman from my alma mater. I imagine you know you'd list it off your guys. Um, I'm a little familiar with that neck of the woods. I actually I, you know, I looked at Muhlenberg when I was um, you know a college you know well high school senior. I actually played catch with my dad on what used to be uh, the old Muhlenberg football field a million years ago. Um, but when you're you know there in Pennsylvania, you know as a Jersey guy. Where would you take your offensive line to get like the best food in town? Like, is there a certain spot that that people should know when they when they go to Mules games that okay, this is where if the old line eats there, we should go? Uh, I mean, I don't have like a specific local spot, anything like that. I haven't been around here a super long, obviously two years. But um, if I were to go to some place, take them to some place, probably just be Texas Roadhouse and let the guys feast. Um, just a big chain restaurant; they never disappoint. Oh yeah. That's, I, I've that done that I like with that a couple of football players. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, and uh, it's somewhat cheap eats uh, for uh, what you get. So yeah. you, you can't beat that fact. Uh, I, I, I like the answer. I really do. <laughs> Joe, I don't want to look too far ahead. I know you got games in front of you here that you got to talk about. But, I mean, let's look at the Centennial generally. Uh, mm-hmm. And Hopkins uh, being another one of those teams that's the Bugaboo team. I was there the Friday night when the team won with Mike Natkowski. Uh, as a quarterback a couple of years ago, and uh, it was a great experience, I believe. Uh, we're uh, seeing that game probably, I, I think it's another Friday night uh, game in the same position. 
uh, this year uh, at Muhlenberg, unless they've uh, flipped the schedule because of the everything that's happened. But that's a team that's going to uh, give you a hard time, Sinus, hard time. Uh, I, you know, everybody who remains in the Centennial is not going to give you guys an easy go of it. Take us through what this season looks like with respect to the Centennial and how you are going to uh, make sure that your team is on top of it ultimately here. Uh, we've always said the Centennial Conference is a gauntlet. Um, at least it's not nine games in a row now this year, um, nine straight Centennial Conference games. There is a little bit of breathing room. Uh, but still not much, you know. You got our sinus F and M, uh, Johns Hopkins, obviously the three, three of the better teams in the conference. Um, and same thing, like I said earlier, we're just going to take it week by week. Uh, game plan. Our coaches do a great job pulling film, pointing out things in defenses, um, getting us prepared, uh, just in a great way every single weekend, uh, weekend and week out. Um, obviously Hopkins, uh, they're the um, they're the guys to beat usually. Um, Obviously, Susquehanna left the conference last year, but um, Hopkins being our biggest rival in the conference, we want to beat those guys this year, especially, as well as their signers. Yeah, just for anyone who's keeping track at home, Frank, the, the Hopkins game is actually all the way in, in week nine. It's a two o'clock kickoff, which is interesting, but the um, your sinus game is actually a Friday night one um, in, I think it's week five. Um, so that that's going to be something to keep an eye out for. I could I could see a potential uh, Rossi um, mayor landing for that one Friday night at, at your sinus. Interesting possibility there, uh, Joe. Before before we uh, you know, let you go and get back to getting ready for uh, week one here, um, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, you know the the preseason. You know how. How's the teams, you know, coming together? Are there any um, any sort of new wrinkles that that uh, Coach Milne's going to surprise us with this season, or is that you know still top secret? That's definitely a secret. I can't go that far with you. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think personally, we are, uh, in my personal opinion, we had, we had one of the best camps I've seen. Uh, definitely the best out of my three years um, here. It just seems like the guys really care. We're hungry after a seven and four disappointing season last year um, and people are just pushing each other harder and harder every day, disciplining people for mistakes on the field. Um, and we just really, we want to get back to uh, the top of the Centennial Conference at the end of the day. Um, we've worked our, we've worked hard all August um, and we just, we want it more than I feel like we have in previous years. So we're going to get after it. Yeah. Before you get after it, we're going to have you give it after one other thing right now, and that is shout-outs to any family, friends, teammates, etc. that might be watching this interview, Joe. You're about 24 hours and a little bit of change from your kickoff here in the 2023 season. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a little bit of waiting still to do, so give them the shout-outs, and we will see where the season goes for you. Um, give a shout-out to my mother and father, obviously, um, for allowing me to be here and playing football. Uh, my brother, who's just kind of, you know, beat me up over the years. He's my younger brother, but he would always come after me and stuff like that. But um, and then uh, Jack Canerney actually, we were talking about Texas Roadhouse. He texted me, Texas Roadhouse, let me know date and time. So I guess that's happening now. There you go. I, I like it. Okay, well, Joe, maybe I'll see you guys at the Texas Roadhouse if I get down there as well. Uh, and uh, you know, it might be in a celebration uh, mood or something like that. Hopefully, uh, if that's the case. And uh, we'll, we'll make sure your credit card's down for everybody in the house if that's happening, too. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, send our best to everybody uh, at Muhlenberg. I wish I could, would be able to come tomorrow night. i got to play high school mode tomorrow as a mayor. Uh, but at the same time, uh, 
I'm curious to see how that game goes with your Muhlenberg shirts. I had one on just a couple weeks ago, as you know, uh, getting ready for the season. Sure. So uh, we, we do appreciate our friends at Muhlenberg. Good luck to you, my friend. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys having me. That's Joe Repetti, quarterback right. from yeah. Muhlenberg. JB, the uh, action here does not stop. And uh, why don't you lay out why the, there's an importance to who our next guest is as uh, we get him ready in the queue. Yeah, well, he um, he, he left the uh, the big the, you know, the Big Twelve of all places to you know, jump over and take control of the ASC, and they honestly need some some big leadership from uh, from Dave Flores as they are kind of in at least a football situation um, struggling to keep their conference together. Um, there's been a mass exodus of teams into the SCAC, which has decided to um, bring football back. And so you know, places like UMHB, Hardin-Simmons, um, and, and others, all the, all the shirts are falling off now because of this horrible situation that's, that's happening. Um, <laughs> well, that'll, that'll make the hooper cut for the end of the, of the, end of the season. The just go. Just, yeah. yeah, we got too much going on this time. Just go. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll just stay. No, okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, so David ha is in the uh, unenviable position of trying to figure out what's the next step for the ASC and these some schools, which are typically in the top, you know, ten of Division three football every year. Um, you know, we've seen people say, "Oh, they're going to have to go Division two or they're going to have to." You know, merge with the Skyac, or they're going to have to do something. Well, this is the guy who's ultimately going to be in charge of trying to figure out some solutions for these um, great football programs that really are, are struggling to find teams to match up with. And here we are. We have David Flores. Thank you very much for joining us, the American Southwest Conference Commissioner, joining us on In the Huddle. Thank you, gentlemen. Can you hear me okay? Certainly can. Thanks for joining well, us, clear. David. Thanks for joining us. Yes, we can. And I. Uh, uh, hopefully you fare better than uh, JB's uh, back uh, set there uh, in the T-shirts. Uh, I, I think you will, knowing your history. But first things first, David, JB brings up a very interesting point. Why the heck did you go to the ASC with your background in history? What, what drew you to this job, ultimately, to take over as recently as you did? Well, uh, it, it's, it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to lead a great conference with, with great member institutions. It was uh, uh, professionally, it's it's something that uh, that I've been paying attention to as far as the position is concerned. I was uh, very fortunate to, to work uh, alongside great commissioners, uh, Bob Bowlesby being the, the top of the list for me and watching him lead was uh, very um, uh, instrumental in, in providing myself the, the opportunity to think, uh, you know, I, I would like to, the opportunity to do that. Um, American Southwest Conference is a, is a great conference, as I said, <clears throat> great member institutions. And uh, yes, they, they have some we have some challenges, but uh, uh, life's full of challenges. And so we, uh, we take them on. Uh, their, histories, their history is, speaks for itself. Uh, very similar uh, league was created, very similar in the same time frame when the Big 12 was created. So the, the, uh, the, uh, there's a little bit of that. Uh, so. So yes, it's exciting. It's a, it's an opportunity. I'm excited. I'm I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm energized. All the things that uh, I think indicate to anyone that uh, that they make the right they made the right decision. So we're uh, we're moving forward, and and I'm I'm fortunate to have the opportunity for sure. 
Well, I don't know if you consider yourself fortunate or not to, to have lots of people in social media providing opinions on what they think you should do. Um, you know, as we kind of tongue in cheek said at the top of the of, of our introduction that, you know, there are, there are folks out there that are throwing out lots of different ideas um, for the ASC from at least from a football perspective. But obviously, football is one of maybe 30 different sports that are sponsored by the ASC schools. Uh, you know, as a commissioner, tell us a little bit about, you know, how fi- football fans need to maybe tweak their um, their lens of really what's what's kind of going on on a bigger picture scale. It's not just about football, even though, you know, we uh, we fanatics sort of think it is most of the time. No, sure. And uh, you're, you're talking to an old uh, helmet head from 35 plus years ago. So football is very near and dear to my heart as well. Uh, but I, I will say that... Uh, Yes, I know there are a lot of opinions out there. I find it uh, reassuring and, again, energizing because we have a lot of fans that that have interest in the American Southwest Conference and obviously don't want to see it go away. So I'm, that's another part that I see positive, that there's that support. Uh, what I would say to what I say uh, as we go through conversations with our membership, with our presidents and our ADs, we have, a, we have membership challenges. And membership challenges also impact football uh, and women's golf and women's soccer and men's tennis uh, and women's basketball. So we we have to address our membership problem um, in order to then address our issues we have related to football and related to soccer and all those other sports. And so, again, yes, I, I, I know how passionate we all are about the sport of football especially in the state of Texas, where it's, uh, it's, uh, it's woven in the, the fabric of the state. Oh, I completely yeah. understand that. But, uh, but we have a membership problem that we have to focus on, first and foremost. And then um, the other type of – the other issues with, uh, with sports sponsorship will, will fall in line if we properly address the membership issue. David. I know you weren't there for a lot of this, but you obviously know the history of it. You looked into what you were getting yourself into in the first place, obviously. In the old days, it was St. Thomas in the MIAC, or MIAC, excuse me. Uh, Some call it the MIAC still. Uh, But they kind of got basically pushed out the door because of success, ultimately. And a lot of people feel that what's happened with the ASC in the last couple of years with the you know, changes that are afoot here are kind of the, well, we learned how not to do it approach, but it's the same kind of concept. A team with a lot of success, especially in football, but also in other sports, is getting kind of shown the door, uh, maybe because they have access to resources that the other schools don't at this point, and they feel like it might not be exactly a fair fight in that situation. How do you get around or pass that challenge? How do you convince schools that's not an appropriate reason to necessarily walk out the door and go to another conference and you know convince them you need to just compete yourself? Figure out how to get your resources, how to get your advantages and whatnot and compete. How do you get that message across to teams to make sure you don't even lose more than you already have in this conference? My message is 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 plain and simple for me is saying to those look at the success that we that this conference has with these five core institutions as, as I'm calling them 
as we're as we're looking at things. Their success is benefiting others that are staying in the conference. They understand what they have to um, compete against. And if they focus on that, not just with one member school in football, of course, uh, we have two really good, we have two ranked teams, so you have two. And also in the other sports, uh, look how good this league is in this competition. Let's focus on it. Let's use the, the rising tide, so to speak, so that then those institutions through a period of time and through focus and through experiencing it can realize the benefit of competing in, in a great conference that can then benefit them when it comes to selection time for, for championships. I think we, everyone obviously is shooting for the AQ. We understand that, but when your conference is strong, you, your second place team has a really, really good opportunity. Sometimes even the third place teams will get a little bit of a look. Um, I, I know that's going deep, but nonetheless, it's, it's giving everyone that opportunity. Is that success going to happen overnight? No, no, no one's success happens overnight, but it's, it's a focus and an understanding. Um, I, I don't want to talk about my previous experiences too much because they were at division one, but I, there's one that I, that I witnessed firsthand, uh, in a, in a front row view of watching Baylor university go from where they normally resided at the end of each season to work and to work and to work and to work. And now they're, they're mentioned every single preseason, every single one. And two years ago, we all know what they did and they have a great coach and a great AD. They have their AD friend of mine had the vision to do it. That's an example of, of what I message to all that say, here's your opportunity because we have great member institutions. So David, I mean, you obviously know the, you know, the lay of the land having worked in the big 12 and, and, you know, Texas football and all that, but what is sort of like the, the day to day of a, of a conference commissioner, or, or, you know, are you going to be kind of traveling around to different um, schools, catching game days, um, meeting with the, the various college presidents? What is sort of a, sort of a daily, you know, uh, grind or whatever you've got going on there? Thanks for asking. And I have to tell you, I'm still learning that grind. It's, uh, um, we're, we're going through some changes here. We have, uh, we have moved offices. We were, we were, uh, in the same office suite as the Lone Star Conference. And so, uh, we were sharing some, um, services with them. So we've, uh, we've decoupled from them. So we're, uh, we're standing on our own, which is good, which I'm very happy about. Uh, and I'm learning, I'm learning new scenarios as well uh, daily, having conversations with Nathan Yakovisi, our, our uh, assistant commissioner for communications. He's, he's keeping me up to speed on um, the timing of preseason rankings and, and, uh, and press releases and uh, uh, updating websites. And, and I'm talking with, with uh, vendors about ball contracts and I'm talking to uh, coordinator officials to, to get, uh, to get our officials position to be paid. Uh, we just finished a, you know, so it's, it's a lot of those operational things that, uh, that are new to me. I'm absolutely, but, uh, but are exciting and they're fun. 
and also to that, it's a, it's a, it's a learning process. Um, and I, my plan is to uh, visit our campuses this fall uh, to, to do exactly that, to meet, with, to meet with the leadership, the presidents, the athletic directors, the SWAs, the faculty athletic representatives, coaches, more importantly, students and student athletes. And, and I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to ensure that I just don't attend the games that happen on Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. We kick off fall competition uh, tonight with uh, with uh, with two games, uh, and so, but we're also playing soccer. We're running cross country. We're playing volleyball, and that's going to be fun to 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 see that and experience that. But uh, but of course, I'm looking forward to, to football because, uh, like I said earlier, I'm I'm a football nut too as well. I, I try to say that I'm not, but uh, I, I I enjoy the game. <laughs> that's great. Hey, David. I, I kind of want to use your expertise from an upper division uh, point of view and ask you this question. Is there a future for Division Two and Division Three and NAIA being separate, or do you see a time when there's basically Division One and another division and that's it to ensure that there's enough schools in certain areas of the country to justify how divisions or partial, uh, you know, entire associations, NAIA, uh, operate. It, it seems like a very challenging world right now, even with travel being easier in 2023, but it's still, it, it's more expensive and the costs start going up for teams that are on an island like the Texas teams are, be they in the ASC or any other conference at this point. Kind of give me your point of view there about the future we'll see with respect to Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and the NAIA from what you can sense is going on. Well, it, there's absolutely a place for Division Three and Division Two in NAI. There's absolutely a place, and I think it's critical for us in Division Three and then Division Two and NAI to um, focus on ourselves, have an understanding of who we are and um, who we serve and how we serve, and being mindful of that because the student athletes in Division Three. Um, want to win every bit as much as they do in Division One, and the coaches, assistant coaches, athletic trainers, strength and conditioning, student support. Everyone wants to wants to succeed in the same manner they do Division One. We have to be mindful of our place in Division Three and what our and what our mission is, and what our values are. We we have to be paying very close attention to what's happening on the Division One level uh, because. It's no secret we we receive funding from the Division One level that's critically important to Division Three and Division Two, and uh, it fuels our championships. And those are the requirements for our students. That's what they deserve. That's why they come to compete while they're also earning a top-flight education. Um, and so we have to pay attention to what's happening with Division One. And I think um, you know I I know the the conversations always out there. In the, in the media circles of um, Division One FBS, a certain amount of schools breaking off, do, doing something of that nature. Uh, during my time there, I know I heard it plenty of times, but it never, I never felt that that was that shifting was going to happen. I can't, I'm obviously no longer there, but just watching the things that I've seen in these past four weeks, uh, and also things that are happening in the legal system, and the fact that 
Division One is and the association we're hanging our hat on folks in Congress who have enough challenges on their own. Um, they're that time. I'm not saying it's coming, but it looks a lot different from my point of view than than it did when I was in there six week six months ago, uh, eighteen months ago, two years. So, but. Like there is a place for Division Three and Division Two football and NAI, Division Three, Division Two NAI sports, um, because it, again, we have to be mindful of who we are, uh, stay within our um, within our structure, within our within our means, so to speak, uh, like we do, and and we do that and keep focusing on that, we uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do great. It's funny because when I was younger uh, in this whole uh, Division Three world, uh, they used to talk about uh, cutting off uh, a certain aspect of it and making Division Four back when, or Division Three A, or however you wanted to have it. And uh, now the discussions have actually gone into the reverse mode, where you know does Division Two even stand a chance uh, at a certain point? So it's interesting to hear that answer from you, and I appreciate that. Our last question for you, and uh, we'll definitely uh, be in future contact with you uh, to see how things are going. But ultimately, what do you do here now? What what are you doing day to day to make sure the ASC is a viable conference in the next five to ten years, and uh, you know basically is either still the ASC or the ASC with somebody else, or however it's going to end up working. What do you, what do you do here? How do you how do you go from here? Well, we, uh, I'll tell you, it, uh, it's the first thing I think about when I get up. It's, uh, I think about it through the day, probably through the night, too, when I shouldn't. But uh, the, the first thing, the most important thing is I'm communicating clearly and openly with our member schools, with our presidents and our ADs, especially our ADs. We're, we're having conversations. I, I don't want to get into the specifics for obvious reasons, but I can tell you that, uh, that we are uh, we're keeping our eye on the ball, so to speak. Uh, we obviously know the impact of of the situation we're in, and uh, we have all of our focus of um, strengthening the American Southwest Conference and, and continuing it to be a, a premier conference. But uh, we know we have some work to do, and so, um, like I said, I, I I can't get into specifics as far as this platform. I think you all know, and I wouldn't want to set. Uh, Social media can set itself ablaze. I don't. I don't need to help it in any manner. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no. <laughs> but we're. Uh, I, I I will say that, that our our membership is uh, is focused and and they're they're open and they're they're paying attention and and we understand the sense of urgency. Uh, I absolutely understand the sense of urgency, and so do our member schools again. But they're 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 being very patient, and moving in a very calm and deliberate manner, um, and and that's. That's uh, unfortunate to be a part of that with them um, in moving in that sense. So we have some work to do, yes, but we uh, we are working, no question. It's going to be a thankless job in some ways, David. I hate to tell you, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you're uh, fully capable of doing it, and uh, they're lucky to have you to steer this ship from here. Uh, I don't know where this goes. I, I, I As I told you yesterday, uh, I have a certain attachment to Texas teams and conferences down in the south uh, right now uh, and we'll be down there on September 9th and again it's going to be uh, great Texas football and I don't want to see that aspect of Division 3 lost in any way shape or form so I do wish you the best of luck on this.
and JB's shirts wish you the best of luck. They just keep falling uh, in honor of you there. But uh, we will have you back at some point, uh, maybe for a, a progress report at a certain point in time. And uh, if you ever have some news to break, don't forget us. Uh, we will happily uh, help you out to let, you, let people know about the future of the ASC. Well, Frank, James, thanks for having me on. Um, I, uh, I should probably be, I should probably step out cause I think I'm making the shirts fall. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but it's been, it, it's really been enjoyable. And, so and, much and for my, uh... Thank you for the, uh, for the well, you guys, you guys have way better home studios than mine. So I, I got work to do. Um, you yeah. know, you got the yeah. whole thing professional looking I, my stuff's falling apart, but we've been on the air for almost two and a half hours. So it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, hey, that's right. you know, that's right. That's right. But, Thanks for having me on, and thanks for your thanks for your focus and your in uh, you. your support for uh, American Southwest Conference, and more importantly for Division Three football and Division Three athletics. Really appreciate it. Thanks again. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you, David. David Flores, ASC Commissioner, and uh, nobody fights wow. alone. He's alone behind you right now. <laughs> the lone survivor. So. I guess I guess Birmingham Southern's got this game in the bag because this is the only one that stayed up the whole time. What the oh, heck? Don't tell Tucker Horn that. He's waiting to the wings right now. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Well, he's got a couple weeks before he's got to worry about those Panthers. He's got some other big games that that are that are more on his radar at the moment. Um, oh, yeah, Trinity is. Would, would those be? A, yeah, I mean, we just saw, uh, I just noticed on um, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, you know, the Johnnies are, are put just put out a hype video. Um, unfortunately, and I keep forgetting about this, Frank, and this is something that, you know, I know is, is, is can be a little controversial, but the pay, pay-per-view games um, for Division Three level is, is, is been a, a challenge. I mean, I know the landmark is going into that you know, agreement with Flow Sports and, um, you know, that kind of got a mixed reaction on one hand. It, it is, um, you know, kind of worthwhile service because of the, the angles and the, and the tech and everything. I mean, we've seen some, you know, student run or other live broadcasts where they can't even follow the football. So, you know, maybe a couple extra bucks here and there is not such a bad idea. But, you know, for a game at this level, um, probably, like you said, the biggest game of the weekend, you got to you have to shell out a couple of bucks to watch it on the, uh, the, the Mayak or Miak network, whatever it's called. So, uh, that that's Johnny's football for you. And they're, you know, one of those blue blood D three programs and Trinity's trying to see if they can you know, get a big win on the road. That would really cement them as not maybe only a top five team in the country, but like a top two or three. So this is a big, big game, um, for both teams. Well, if you got the money uh, to shell out, you should shell it out because it's going to be a great game indeed. And let's bring in somebody who's going to have a key role in that game. Somebody that's joined us a couple of times in the past, especially last season. We have with us graduate graduate quarterback, he said, from Trinity, Texas. This is Tucker Horn. For those that don't recognize him, you just don't watch our show. That's what it comes down to at this point. Tucker, welcome yeah. back and welcome hey, back, you, as they say. How's it going? Good to see y'all. I'm glad y'all are doing well. Um, just want to start off by saying just appreciate everything that y'all do. Appreciate the travel y'all do, the money y'all put on uh, to do this type of stuff. We all really appreciate it. Super excited for football to be back. 
Uh, we are too, and uh, we appreciate everything you guys do for us in terms of uh, you know making us feel at home. When we get down to our uh, various locations we uh, visit, I'll be down there on September 9th. But before we ever dream about talking about September 9th in that UMHB game, what the hell did you, was your AD thinking uh, with this scheduling? I mean, St. John's, then UMHB, I, you know, not, not to mention your conference schedule eventually you had to take on, which is never a walk in the park. But, I mean, Tucker, when you saw this schedule come out, what the heck were you thinking? Well, I, I think to start, Coach Herb, we had a contract with Houston Christian University, who's a Division One out of uh, – recently switched to Houston Christian University, formerly Houston Baptist out of Houston, Texas. Um, and that deal kind of fell apart and we were looking for games to play and we really couldn't find any, any, any games to play. And these teams, you know, came across the board, came across um, Coach Herb's desk. And, um, you know, I think Coach Herb has a lot of faith in us. We have a lot of older guys. And just to play a great schedule like that gives you the opportunity to one, not only be battle tested throughout the season, but to, you know, kind of show what you're made of at the beginning of the season when usually, you know, you might play a couple games here and there that are essentially, you know, getting you ready for the later parts in the season. But you, you got to be able to, you got to be ready to go week one with the schedule we have. And we're super excited um, for what Coach Irv's put together and, you know, how much work the whole coaching staff has put in to get ready, get us ready for this one. Well, I know, the, I know my dog's excited. She was just freaking out right there because this is such a big deal here. <laughs> but um, seriously, though, I mean, Tucker, um, you know, in certain ways, you guys in St. John's are, are, are very similar. Um, experienced at quarterback, you know, very strong on both offensive, defensive lines. You know, teams that have playoff experience, you, you played some of the best um, teams in the country in the last couple of seasons. So, I mean, it, it is sort of like, you know, kind of uh, like brothers, whatever you want to say. And, and I know that you have a, a few brothers of your own. And so I imagine there have been a few little tussles you've gotten in with them over the years. But when you, um, when you sort of prepare for a game like this, you know, is it sort of playoff mentality week one? Or is it just, since you don't have the film, it's kind of like, well, we're going to go do what we do. We'll respond to what they do and just see where it goes. Yeah, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of how it is. I mean, I think, you know, especially for a week one game, regardless of who you're playing, it's all about executing, you know, the basics. Um, you know, in, in a lot of week one games, you see some slip ups on special teams, maybe some snap issues, just some basic um, errors that maybe aren't happening later in the season. So it's all about executing on, you know, who, what your identity is and what you do. Um, you know, through what you're going to build on throughout the season. So I, I, yes, we know that they're a good team. We have put in the work um, because they're a good team, but that, that amount of work wouldn't have changed regardless of who we play. We have, a you know, the utmost respect for whoever we're playing. And we know that St. John's deserves, you know, the highest level of respect that um, any team or opponent could get. So when and where was the conversation between you and your teammates that had the eligibility to come back but not the obligation that you guys were going to come back and do this again? Because I left you guys last season at the Mayor Harden Baylor game, and I could tell some may have been resigned to it being done at that point in time, not all. 
and then to see some of the names that are coming back this year, some minds were changed. What happened? You know, I think that for a, for a core group of us, a core group of us, you know, super seniors, COVID seniors, whatever you want to call us, um, you know, it was decided a long time ago that once we got that COVID year, we knew it we were building um, and we just wanted to see it through to the very end. You, you don't get to take a pause and then come back and play later on. Like this is a finite, finite amount of time. Um, so we have, you know, a really high appreciation for this last year. I think that, you know, maybe a couple of the other guys that were undecided at first saw that, you know, a lot of their teammates were coming back and who doesn't want to spend another season taking, you know, however many classes you're taking, um, the, the, the minimum requirement to graduate and playing football with your friends. Like you're never going to get to do that again. Um, the money involved, we get that, but at the same time, this is an experience that you're never going to be able to get again. And um, I think that's what drew a lot of guys back. Well, we had a, we had an interesting report earlier on, and, and I know it won't be a big deal for you guys because you're used to playing in the heat, particularly in the, the first weekend of September. But uh, Kobe Berghammer, the quarterback from um, Wisconsin Oshkosh, said that the high for this Saturday is supposed to be 88 in Wisconsin. So I imagine it's, it's going to be a little toasty up there in Minnesota also. I mean, clearly you guys are used to playing in the heat, but it might be a little bit of a different story um, for the Johnnies. I mean, I don't know if that gives you an advantage or not, but it's, it's a different sort of environment that you've been in than, than some of the other traditional SAA teams. You know, what has your coaching staff sort of prepared you? What's the process between now and getting to game day on Saturday? I mean, as far as the weather goes, I think the high is 90 degrees right now, low of 62. Um, humidity about the same as it is here in San Antonio right now during the drought. Um, you know, we've experienced, I, I want to say, you know, like 30 days in a row of over 100 degree weather. So, I mean, we've been practicing in it. We've been, um, you know, the trainers, coaching staff have been, really on top of us taking care of our bodies, hydrating, recovering, um, staying cool. Um, I think that the process for getting ready for a game, not only in, you know, 90 degree weather, but in a jam packed stadium where your adrenaline's running and, you know, the level of exha exhaustion hits you a little earlier, especially because it's week one and you might not have that game feeling, um, you know, because you haven't played a game. So, I think that, you know, the preparation to get your body has started, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, um, whether it's, you know, replenishing fluids you lose in practice to getting enough rest at night. I know that a big thing on our team is just the amount of sleep you get is going to, in turn, um, you know, kind of get you ready for Saturday. So, we're, we're, you know, we're really, really focused on that. Our head strength coach, um, Bert Stewart, does a really good job of staying on top of us about that. So. I want to show you something, and I'm not going to hide the question that comes with it. Those first three games could decide the season for your team. For Pool C, with only four Pool C teams this season, and your conference basically, you know, having run through you and Birmingham Southern, uh, you know, last year uh, in what was that close collision that we still, you know, talk about that touchdown to the uh, to this day at the end of that game. I mean, 
how do you as the team leader here basically make sure that what is at the top of this schedule, St. John's, Mirhard, Baylor, Birmingham Southern, goes the right way here and you keep your team in this whole mentality of we're going to win this, we're going to make it worth the coming back, we're going to make this a success and pick up where we left off last year, but even better. How do you do this now? You know, I think it's just staying focused on one day at a time. That's a cliche, but, you know, when you have such high expectations, there comes a lot of pressure with that. Um, that can either break you or it can make diamonds, another cliche. But, um, you know, regardless of, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking ahead, but I'll just talk through a little bit of our schedule. Regardless of, you know, how these first two games go, how this goes on Saturday or how this goes next week against Mary Harden Baylor, um, you know, at the end of the day, our first goal is to win conference. And, you know, you go into conference 0-2, 1-1, or 2-0. At the end of the day, the ticket to the playoffs is winning your conference. And that does not come lightly. That takes, a, a you know, an immense amount of work. I think that the guys on this team have been here since, you know, most of them have been here since 2021. And they know the amount of work it takes and the level of you have to give to each and every opponent. Because there, there's another team on there that you didn't mention. I mean, you didn't mention center, Barry. Uh, Hendricks, Millsaps, Swanee, all those teams and all those places are hard to go to. They're all hard to, um, you know, they, you know, take a toll on your bodies. Um, they all kind of work together in to get your end product. So we're not looking past any one of those games. We're not looking past, um, you know, what's in front of us right now. But we do have to keep a level head um, with that being said of these first two games are really preparation for the bigger slate, which is conference, which is what we will focus on. It's, you know, on our goal board, it is what we are trying to accomplish first because you don't get the rest without that. So. Well, out of respect, Tucker, I took down the other team from your conferences t-shirt that was behind me. So <laughs> um, it's all you know, we're joking around about the, uh, the brotherly love or the battling back and forth. How is uh how is Raider doing? Um, you know, he, he made I think an all name team um, in the off season. I know Frank has had some fun with his attempt at growing a mustache here and there. We had some different, you know, conversations around that. So maybe getting away from football a little bit, but what's what's going on with Raider and the rest of the Tigers? <laughs> yeah, you know, Raider's doing really good. Raider is, you know, getting really deep into his um you know, biology major, chemistry major. I don't, I can't even think about what he is. He's pre-med, but, um, you know, he came back this week after the first week of school and he said something about, I think this chemistry class and was like, I thought it was going to be like this, but then I looked at it and my eyes got huge. This stuff is for real. He's really bogged down. He's really, you know, in his books, he's, he's very studious. He's a super smart guy. He's having a lot of fun. Um, I will say, I don't think he has a mustache right now. So I don't think that he, uh, you know, I don't think oh. it suits him well in the classroom. Like he, he wants to be clean shaven, interview ready, you know, looking like that. I think it was his bit last year, but um, I think that he is kind of flowing with a clean shaven face right now. So. so just to clarify, I believe it's physical chemistry, according to X formerly known as Twitter uh, yes. yesterday. Mm -hmm. And um, so here's my challenge uh, to Raider, because I know he watches when you're on. 
Uh, Raider, I want you to post up a photo of you clean shaven, if that's the case, with your physical chemistry book or whatever you got these days. Uh, let, let's see you. Let's see you before you travel. But speaking of travel, what is the travel plan for you guys? Uh, how, you, how are you guys getting to St. John's? I think I know the answer a little bit, and boy, will your arms be tired. But, um, you know, how are you getting there and uh, when do you guys leave and all that stuff? Uh, I think we're doing a walkthrough tomorrow at 11 a.m. on Trinity's campus on our football field. And then we are packing our bags and heading to the uh, San Antonio International Airport. We chartered a flight from I'm not sure which airline, but we're going to walk on the tarmac and um, in style. And we're going to uh, load up to head to St. Cloud. So at uh, 2.30, we should get to St. Cloud around it on our schedule says 516. Cool. So very detail oriented. There you go. I bet. Down to <laughs> the minute. Well, I, I think your dad uh, is uh, definitely uh, looking to attend. He was uh, asking about uh, possible areas to eat, drink, stay, and all that stuff uh, in uh, that area. So, you know your family is uh, all in on this season as well, not just Raider, but everybody associated with you. It's going to be interesting. We'll have a lot more from you, obviously. Uh, win, lose, or draw this weekend, uh, the following weekend, and we'll know what the impact of uh, that second game will be once this uh, first one is over. But uh, you know the uh, drill here. Uh, it's time for you to give some shout-outs here, uh, Tucker Horn. And uh, maybe give one to that Raider guy. He, he might deserve yes. it a little bit. Now he's going through this physical chemistry hell he's going through. But uh, Tucker, shout-outs. Yep. Um, to start with Raider, I've, you know, this being my last season, I've thoroughly enjoyed being on a football team with you. It's something that you know, I talk about every year, but it's something that not a lot of get a lot of people get to share with their siblings. Uh, to mom and dad, I love y'all. Y'all do so much in the form of traveling, um, supporting us kids, um, and just always being there for emotional support. And then finally, I want to talk to Welker Horn. He's the QB of the Lubbock Christian Eagles. Um, he's watched a lot of Raider and I's games growing up, but I want to tell him that we love you and we are watching you ball out this year. So. Super excited to watch you play tomorrow. Night lights, baby. Yes, sir. Amen. That's exciting. Uh, I'd like to add a shout out if I can, and I, I think you'll share it because he's down in Texas right now uh, to Trenton Duper. Uh, he's in Houston getting some tests done, uh, and he's back in football. Uh, you may uh, cross his path uh, when you guys face center uh, because uh, he's a grad assistant now, and just to be able to say that right now is such an incredible feeling. And you, you guys were instrumental yeah. in keeping his spirits up with prayer and uh, you know videos and uh, you know other things and so you know a lot of kudos to you and your Trinity teammates for kind of embracing a yeah, former opponent of yours and I guess still current opponent if he's going to be uh, coaching on the other sideline but uh, I know it was special sure. to him what you guys did and a shout out to him and a shout out to all you guys for what you did for him in that. Yes sir thank you very much. Works it work. I think I talked to Trenton and we're gonna see him when he comes down so Super excited for him um, to just be around the game again, to be around family again. Um, you know, I kept in constant communication with him and glad he's doing great, man. Well, that's kudos great. to you and a lot of different things, uh, Tucker, especially coming back here and trying to finish business. We'll see where it goes. Indeed. Best of luck, travel safe, and we will see you on September 9th for sure. Thanks, Mr. Rossi. Thanks, JB. Good to see y'all. All right. Thank you. Yeah.
Good luck, man. Tucker Horn, Trinity, Texas. You and get, as I tell all you get the players. Mr. You're Mr. Rossi. No, look at no, this guy. My, Mr. Rossi's 85 in bed probably by now. Okay. <laughs> JB, look at that clock. Four <laughs> minutes until kickoff. And uh, if I uh, can get us a uh, live shot. I think shot, we should just go. I think to. maybe we go like one, one, for one game per region, I think is all we can. Oh, yeah, there it is. That looks like... Uh, at uh, Rowan, Glassboro, New Jersey. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll see. Nice, uh, looks like a nice, beautiful comes. summer night there. Yeah. We'll keep our eye on it. But uh, let's see what I can do here. Let's see the magic I can pull off uh, real quick here. And in, three, in three minutes. <laughs> we're we're going to roll. We, we don't have that separate clock on. I think we, we're going to be able to, uh, be honest with you. Uh, so, Okay. You know how this works. I got to get some music uh, going. <laughs> Pick a t-shirt off the ground if you'd like to. <laughs> I know, right? They've all fallen off the stoop. I need a better uh, plan for next, I can't wait next for, week. I can't wait for the next cold open because I already know what I'm doing for you. Uh, where did the overture go? I, I know I've had it somewhere. I'm happy here. to provide, I'm happy to provide the, uh, you know, the comedic entertainment for. Here yes. We okay. You do it so well. Okay, JB, here we go. You know the rules. Uh, we'll uh, go to teeter-totter fashion here. We'll start with uh, Region 1, uh, Worcester State at WPI. I'll start with this one. Um, I just think WPI uh, has the greater access to athletes right now compared to these two schools. And I'm going to say, again, with a, a bigger breadth of where they can draw uh, students from. So I'm going to say that the winner is WPI by a score of 37 21. It's usually a high-scoring game. Yeah, so I keep tabs on WPI, and their team this, se this season could be a dark horse candidate to win the new Mac. So just keep an eye on these engineers. I think they win this rivalry game Yeah, 35-14. Okay, next up we've got – oh, that's not the one that we're supposed to go to. <laughs> we've lost our countdown clock. Don't we worry. We don't have time. Just, just go. Just go. It's, Keep it rolling. It's going to be, you can see kind of what it is. It's Worcester State and WPI. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. It's Springfield and Western New England, though. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll take the pride. I think, you know, they've, they just seem to have a little bit of a stronger thing. I know they got the hat over my shoulder here, but um, I think the triple option. We'll be, we'll be rolling. I'll say high-scoring game, 35-31. Uh, I'm going to go with the Pride also. 21-20, uh, actually, will be my score on this one. Okay, my turn to start. And, boy, uh, Stevenson at Rome. Before the darn thing starts, it's coming up right now. Um, I think Stevenson just has too many horses. Get it? Mustangs. Uh, under uh, the uh, hood on this one. And so I'm going to say Stevenson wins this one on the road by a final score of 30-27 against Rowan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I read my buddy um, Juan Sanchez's uh, Rowan preview, and I think with some of the new talent that they brought in, I think uh, we might be sleeping on, on the props. I'll take Rowan to win this one, uh, let's say 35-28. Next up, then, Delval at Cortland. Start. Um, I'm going to take the Dragons at home. I know Delval has a strong team, but they've lost some All-American talent on the defensive line. That high-powered 
Dragons offense will probably get things going, and I'll, it'll be a lower scoring game, but I think the Dragons can prevail 21 to 17. Yeah, I, I, I guess Boyce to me at home is going to be pretty uh, tough to beat, even on the new field uh, turf and everything else. I'm going to say Cortland does win this one 20, uh, 35-25. Next up, it's going to be Ithaca Johns Hopkins, obviously. I just think that Ithaca's got too much back, even though Hopkins has that national roster, as we discussed. Uh, so I think Ithaca yeah. is going to keep rolling here in the regular season with their streak in the regular season by a final score of 21-20. Close game, 21-20 Ithaca. Yeah, Wingfield just, you know, is a, a different level QB. He's a preseason All-American. Um, you know, he'll he'll get uh, in some a little bit of trouble with that Hopkins defensive line, but Ithaca's offensive line brings back a lot. I'll, I'll take the Bombers to grind this one out and win 28-21. to Salisbury, Washington, and Lee. I think I'm going to go with the Gulls. I think they their ability to spread the ball and throw it a little more than, than Washington Lee, which is pretty run heavy, uh, could be, make the difference here. Assuming that they're all healthy, I'll take the Gulls to win it 35-31. Uh, yeah, I'm sticking with the Gulls also. Uh, I think they could put a points in a, in a, a basket, basically. 31-21 in their favor. Next up, Huntington at Barry. Um, really a tough one to pick when you think about the styles here. I'm going to give the edge to Barry. Uh, and I, I just have a feeling at home at Valhalla and everything else that they're going to be able to win this thing. Um, lower scoring compared to some, 24-17 in, uh, in favor of uh, Barry. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Hawks just because they've been a little more battle-tested of late with the with playoff appearances. I know, you know Barry was the king of the SAA for a long time. Can they get back there? We'll see. I think early season, I'll give a slight edge to Huntington to win it, uh, let's say, 24-14. Wabash at Hampton-Sydney. I'm going to go with the Little Giants. I mean, they, they have that explosive offense and so i think Liam thompson and company will put up a lot of points it might be a really high scoring game not as not 100 points but let's say 45 to 35 little giants so we're gonna pause for a second here because we want to take you to this kickoff it is rowan kicking off to stevenson oh boy Are they going to call possibly a fair catch signal of some sort or something going on there? I would think so. I mean, that would be crazy if that's if they fumbled the first kickoff. But that's something that happens in week one. We're going to stick with it. Might as well wow. see what it was. Uh, but we have started the Division Three yeah. college football season in a crazy way, folks. <laughs> Whoa. Holy smokes. And they're going to give the officials a challenge to start with here. As in classic D3 fashion, it's feedback. Oh. It's Rowan Ball. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I'm feeling good about that rolling pick then. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Okay. I will keep my eye and see if, uh, what they had to do with the ball there. Uh, but uh, Wabash and Hampton Sydney, you were giving a score, I think, uh, as we were uh, getting interrupted there. Yeah, I think I, I think I said uh, Wabash would win it for like um, 35 to 25 or 45 to 35, something like that. It's going to be high scoring, but not 100 points like last year. Wabash wins 41-30 is my uh, guess here. Let's go back for a second. Might as well see the end of this uh, shortened drive and see the first points of 2023, perhaps. Yeah, Farah is their star running back. He's... Yeah, he's going to be a big recipe as far as rolling success this season. So not surprising that the first play call is a, is a run by Farah. All right. Uh, Whitewater, John Carroll. Uh, Whitewater is my top team in the uh, WEAC, and so I'm going to stick with that fact. Uh, Whitewater wins this game 27-17 to 17 against John Carroll, and here's the next play. Nice Stevenson defense yep. so far. Special teams, yeah. maybe not, but it, you got that. Go ahead in this game. Yeah, I mean, as much as I'd love to um, pick an upset with uh, with the blue streaks over Whitewater, I think it's just it's a tall order, particularly for you know brand new head coach coming in, and um, I think it'll be a closer game than most people think. But uh, I'll take the Warhawks to win it, twenty-four to seventeen. Think about the next one as we go back to third down right now and goal for Rowan. Yeah, they're going to have to throw it to one of these. They have some big tight ends on their roster here. Looks like this is a – nope, no good. Looks like they're going to have to settle for a field goal. Might have to, but it'll still be three points out of uh, what shouldn't have been three points for them if they can get it. Uh, Platteville at Lakeland, go ahead. And that's tonight. Um. Yeah, I'll take Platteville in that one. Um, I'll say that the uh, Pioneers will win 35 to 17. And I will agree with you. Platteville wins 24-10 in this game. Here is the field goal attempt coming up. Yeah, this if it's if it's the guy, I think it's Connor Batten who's the place kicker. He's a junior, so he's got experience. No. Okay. Uh, but uh, oof. it was bad. Wow. I hear it in the background. Wow. So Stevenson wow. escapes a, a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, the Rowan, if they, if they lose this game, they're going to look at that one as a real, real missed opportunity. Mammoth at uh, Wartburg. Uh, I guess I start this one. Wartburg, I believe, is the quality here, even though you have Mammoth, who is a decent team in the Midwest Conference. Wartburg yeah. wins this game. Uh, the Owen, Owen Grover special. I think they're going to keep this uh, score low on the other side. 28-7. to seven. Yeah, I like the Knights as well. I think they'll win it, say, 31-7. to seven. Okay, and next up, Texas Lutheran at UW Oshkosh. And uh, thanks again to Kobe Berghammer for joining us earlier. Yeah, and I think uh, Berghammer is going to find his receivers a few times in this game. So I, I like the Titans to win this one pretty comfortably. It's a 35-14. 
Yeah, uh, maybe 10 years ago I would have given Texas Lutheran a chance here. I don't think it's here, though, uh, in this game. Oshkosh wins by the final score, 40-17. And we continue. Uh, well, this is the tough one. To me, this is one of the two tough ones here, and we're ending with them both. Mirhard Baylor, River Falls. Uh, I guess I go first. I'm going to give the nod to UMHB, but I'm not comfortable giving the nod to UMHB here. I think River Falls has the weapons to pull this off, ultimately, but I just think that UMHB has the track record and coaching to get them to win a close game in this one. I think it will be close. I think it will be 24-20 to 20 in favor of UMHB in the end. Yeah, I mean, this feels like, I mean... The Falcons have they're they're on that precipice of, of cracking into the next level, and they came so close so many times last season. Um, but you know, with UMHB even with that newer roster, it, you can't really pick against them. I, I'll say that they'll figure out a way to win, kind of grinding it out, maybe using their size and strength and speed on defense. So twenty-one to seventeen, I think it's gonna be a lower scoring game than people think, but. You know, I could see River Falls winning this game too, but it just feels like it's too soon to pick against the, the crew. And then Trinity at St. John's. You start this one. Oof, man, this is a this is tough because St. John's at home is a it's definitely a home field advantage. It's not cold though, it's gonna be warm, you know. Oof. Um I know our, our friend Pat Coleman will have a front row seat for this one. I'm sure we'll hear a lot of interviews from that in the next ATN. But you know what? What the heck? I'm gonna I'm gonna give um, Trinity the benefit of the doubt. They're definitely the underdog on the road here. But if um, the Tigers can make a statement, and I think they'll um, they may surprise everyone with a 21 to 17 win. I'm going to give the nod to St. John's as the home team, and only because of their home team. I think yeah. if this was being played at Trinity, I would flip my result on this game. I think it's that close. Mm -hmm. I have the experience levels, as you were pointing out to Tucker. I, I have kind of this size scenario with the Texas football team with, you know, five-year uh, or fifth-year players all over the place. And St. John's, I don't think, has as many of those, I don't believe, this season. But overall... I'm going to say that St. John's is St. John's still, no matter what. And at home, they are so tough to beat, so tough. And so I'm going to give them the yeah. very, very slight edge by the final score of 27-24. Heck, we'll call it 28-24 because we haven't had the score of the century yet uh, from uh, this season in our predictions. <laughs> so in the meantime here, we're going to see oh, great timing. Touchdown, Rowan. Yeah, the first touchdown of 23. That was completely by happenstance that we picked up that one. Wow. Yeah, uh, Stevenson was getting stifled trying to move the ball again. And uh, there is your first score of 2023. Those of you that had a pick six by Rowan on your bingo card, congratulations. And so that is going to be that uh, in a second for uh, us being on that video after we see the extra point is up and it looked kind of good. Looks like he it adjusted is. on that one. All right, he got it. Yeah. 
So thank you to Rowan uh, Football Network there. Uh, but JB, that is it. That is our live show here. Went a little bit uh, longer than I thought we might, but 6.10 I don't have any more shirts to fall Coast. off the thing. And maybe they just get the hat. Maybe the hats can just... <laughs> Oh my God! I almost uh, lost it about three different times during interviews because of you. It was unreal. Every time Potter, I there was one less shirt. Potter, your your, your Brockport shirt just can't hang. I mean, it just fell down <laughs> twice. I got these guys. The, the tornadoes lasted for a pretty good run. Um, they for they Hobart, landed yeah. on my guitar. Hobart lasted for a while. Um, Birmingham Southern, though, last they, one standing. Uh, they they're the they're the champs. So uh, we'll see if how they do tonight. And um, you know it's going to be a fun twenty three season. We'll uh, got a little travel coming up. I'll I'll see uh, all you folks in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Baston this weekend. And um, Frank and I will get you some crunch time. All the highlights, all the best plays of week one. Coming up next Folks, week. been a pleasure. Been a pleasure joining uh, joining you and having uh, the ability to bring so many great interviews to you today. Uh, thanks again to Liam Thompson from Wabash, uh, Kobe Berghammer from Oshkosh, to Joe Rapetti of Muhlenberg, to Tucker Horn of Trinity. These are all obviously quarterbacks that we had. And then also to David Flores of the American Southwest Conference, a quarterback of a different kind trying to lead the comeback mm -hmm. of the American Southwest Conference. Uh, and it will be a tough job, especially in the football category, to make that happen. We will see you throughout the weekend on Twitter. We will see you on our Crunch Time show on Monday or Tuesday, likely Tuesday of this uh, coming week, and then live again next, uh, next Thursday-ish or uh, recorded on Friday. We'll figure out how we're doing it. Again, thank you. Enjoy kickoff of football. We are back, baby, and it started right here on In the D3FB Huddle, Season 16. Have a great night, folks.